Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. When six people were indicted in an alleged scheme to illegally funnel public funds to his campaign, Mayor Adams' team responded in a statement. When the New York Times reported that the wallet-sized photo of his fallen colleague that he frequently showed off is doctored, the response again was written. The mayor himself finally spoke. I sleep well. I'm consistent. Everyone must follow the rules. Adams was talking about his expectation that campaign finance laws be adhered to. The mayor was not implicated in the case involving supporters who allegedly sought public matching funds for his 2021 mayoral bid using so-called straw donors in an effort to buy influence. You are watching 81,000 people coming to this city and not like other cities, they're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level. You are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in the city to live in. This is what we need to recognize. Last summer, the city agreed to an action plan to turn things around at Rikers Island. One year later, the independent monitor in the case says the city has not only failed to improve conditions, in some cases they've gotten worse. The monitor's latest reports, the cautious optimism that characterized prior reports and testimony can no longer be maintained. The 288-page report released Monday recommends the court initiate contempt proceedings that would coerce the city to take action. It paints a damning picture, detailing a pattern of excessive force by officers, a lack of transparency and accountability, and in some cases an unwillingness by the Department of Correction to acknowledge problems. We're in a situation where Ukraine continues to be brutally attacked across the board by munitions, by these cluster munitions that are, have dud rates that are very, very low, I mean very high, that are dangerous to civilians, number one. Number two, uh, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. It's just always something that I've wanted to do, and um, I feel like, you know, I'm physically able to do it, and I got an opportunity, and thankful that Dusty selected me. Um, you know, like some of my fondest memories growing up, one of them is watching Pedro in the All-Star game, wow. starting it. And, um, and I've been to a few of them, and... and you know, I had the pleasure of watching some future Hall of Famers do it, and um, I've always been like, man, I, I really, really hope I could do that one day. Nobody on the road, nobody on the beach. Feel it in the air, the sun was out of reach.
eights of the New York Yankees. Yes, your New York Yankees. I always loved this thing. If the season ended today, the Yankees would not make the playoffs. That's true, but they're right there. One game back now of the other two wild card teams just behind the Baltimore Orioles. But Garrett Cole is the Yankee ace. Little Don Henley for you, boys of summer. And Garrett Cole, for the first time in what's been a really, really great career, has the opportunity tonight to start. It's a big deal. Start the All-Star game for the American League. Houston Astros manager, last year's World Series winner, Dusty Baker, picked Garrett Cole, who's had a great year for the Yanks, to start the game tonight in Seattle. And that is a big local story. I mean, you heard a ton of stories in there. Eric Adams, the mayor, he's completely shot. And he's responding to critics, and he's still talking to God, and he's incompetent, then he's competent. It's like Joe Biden. Joe Biden says, you know, these uh, munitions are, are high, then they're low. I mean, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. Neither one of them, Mayor Eric Adams or Joe Biden. So you've got him responding to critics. You've got the issues on Rikers Island. Biden is in Lithuania this morning. It is the uh, NATO summit coming up today, and he's going to speak to the Turkish President Erdogan. He's going to have a one-on-one with Zelensky as he tries to also um, encourage Sweden to join NATO. So that's the big story for Biden today. But the All-Star game is tonight the 93rd Major League Baseball All-Star game, and it's in Seattle. Now, I told you guys yesterday I don't watch the game. I did not watch one second, not one second of baseball last night. The home run hitting contest, to me, is the worst TV you can watch. It's worse than MSNBC, CNN, and Newsmax combined. It's awful. It's horrible TV. It always has been. If I hear Chris Berman say, back, back, back one more time, I'm going to kill myself. It's boring. It's so it's, boring. It's, it's just, stupid. There's nothing more boring in a sporting event. Right. And they, and they got to sit there and try to make conversation. I understand uh, Pete Alonso, I'm a Met fan, has won it twice. He got taken out in the first round last night. I always like when the locals are involved in something big like Cole. But I just don't care enough. And the game tonight, I care even less than last night. As I told you yesterday, once baseball implemented interleague play, the All-Star game meant nothing. Even though Fox tried to make it mean something, multi-million dollar contract, we're going we're gonna to have an all-star game, which is an exhibition game, decide who hosts game seven of the World Series. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. Dumbest thing ever. It's an exhibition game. Nobody cares. They actually played this game one year to a tie because Bud Seeley got tired. That's right. Yeah, I swear to God. <laughs> it was over. And you're going to decide who's going to host Game 7 of the World Series? But once interleague play came into effect, it meant nothing. When I was a little kid, or even a teenager, and I saw Dwight Gooden, my Met pitcher, face Alan Trammell of the Tigers, or Lou Whitaker of the Tigers, that was a big deal. Good players. Yes. You know, if you saw, for example... um, Pedro based Daryl Strawberry. That was a big deal. But now with interleague play and the Mets playing the Yankees a lot during the regular season. You know, before this, you had the one exhibition game. It was called the Mayor's Trophy Game, where the Mets played the Yankees every year. One exhibition game. And that was before the season, I think, right? One exhibition game, yes. yeah. Yes. And then you had, of course, 2000, the Mets played the Yankees in the World Series. But you never saw Met pitchers against Yankee hitters unless you went down to spring training. So now you've got it. And to me, it just diluted the whole game. 
The whole idea was see NL All-Stars play AL All-Stars, and now you see that every night. And there was a rivalry between AL and yes. NL. You really, they really wanted to beat they each other. They got into fist fights at the All-Star game. Yeah. Was not uh, Bud Harrelson and uh, Pete Rose? Oh, Pete Rose. No, not Pete Rose. It was, no, 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 that Ray, was the, uh, the playoffs. I'm Ray, talking about um, Ray Fossey. Uh, Ray Fossey at home plate and Pete Rose, he right? Wrote, he ruined his career. Yeah, he did. He, he stopped, ruined his he career. He ruined Ray Fossey. was an up-and-coming Cleveland Indians catcher. He was going to be, a, you know, he was on target to be a big star, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Big catcher. And Ray Fossey, I think it was the 12th inning. Pete Rose ran him over. He just head <laughs> first, not his shoulder, to score the yep. winning run. Yep. He just stood up and high-fived himself. And Ray Fossey was on his was on his back, on his side, grimacing in pain. Yes. And that was it for him. He never was the same player. But that was how baseball – I mean, Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle was like that anyway. But 72, you're right. 72, I think that was. Yeah, they wanted – that was 72. But my favorite all-star memory – Dates back to 1979. Now, I'm 12 years old. I'm living in Brooklyn, and the Mets are terrible. In fact, during the 79 season, that year the Mets had a record of 63 wins, 99 losses, and one tie. Played to a tie. And the manager of the Mets that year was Joe Torre. Yes, the same Joe Torre that won four World Series with the Yankees and is now in the Hall of Fame considered one of the greatest managers ever. Well, 79 Mets, he won 63-99-1. and won. And that team, just so you know, had like John Stearns behind the plate, Willie Montanez at first. Oh, I was going to say Willie Montanez. Doug Flynn at second. Well, hi, everybody. Frank Tavares at shortstop. Richie Hebner at third. Guys like Stevie Henderson in the outfield. But their big star was a really handsome Italian kid out of Brooklyn who actually played at Lincoln High School and made the basket catch famous after Willie. And his name was Lee Mazzelli. And in 1979, before guys started doing steroids and numbers were bloated, Lee Mazzilli hit 15 home runs for the Mets, knocked in 79 runs, and hit 303. And that was good enough to make the All-Star game. On a last-place team for my Mets, a miserable year, Maz went to the game. So Maz doesn't start, of course. And the NL is trailing the American League 6-5 to in the eighth inning. Seattle Kingdom, 1979, Dave Parker, Pittsburgh Pirates, at this point has already made two spectacular defensive plays with assists at both third base and home plate. And my guy, Maz, walks to the plate up against a very, very, very good closer. His name was Jim Kern of the Texas Rangers. So here we are, 44 years ago, Seattle Kingdom, NL down by one, and New York Mets superstar Lee Mazzilli at the plate. Here's what it sounded like in 79. So far, the Nationals have done little to solve Texas Rangers' bullpen ace, Jim Kern. But pinch hitter Lee Mazzilli, New York Mets switch hitter Deluxe, is anxious to try in his first all-star back. An opposite field line drive. It's fair by inches. The home run ties the score for the fourth time. So Lee Mazzilli, it's a home run off of Jim Kern to tie the game, but he wasn't done because the next inning, Lee Mazzilli would come to the plate again, 6-6 tie. Who's on the mound for the American League? 
Yankee starter and all-time great Louisiana Lightning, Ron Guidry. Bases loaded, Lee Mazzilli walks in the winning run, and the NL wins their eighth consecutive All-Star game, 7-6, to six, with Lee Mazzilli knocking in the game, tying run in the eighth, and walking in the game, winning run in the ninth. 44 years later, I still have a huge man crush on Lee Mazzilli. And there's a, a thing I heard about the game when Guidry came in from the uh, bullpen, and Greg Nettles was at third. So actually, I heard this after the game because I was – Still kind of rooting for the Yankees back then. I kind of like, oh, this is great. Oh, Lima's, you know, because the Mets were bad. And <laughs> Kidry ran by Nettles on the way, his way to the mound and, and muttered, I got nothing. I got nothing. He said that. <laughs> I got nothing. Nettles made a joke about it. He goes, he just told me. They laughed at each other, and Gidry just shrugged. He goes, I don't have any. That's I got funny. Yeah. Because he did not have a good outing. No, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good outing. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would say. That. But yeah. that, I heard it after yeah. the game. It was pretty funny. So if you want, uh, throughout today's program, I'll leave the lines open. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Although this show, of course, is predominantly politics and news, we certainly do our fair share of sports. And I can tell you for a fact that many People who listen to Boomer Esiason and Geo, the WFAN morning show, have come to me because they get the sports and everything else. We'll take more today. Take more of Boomer's listeners. If you want to call in with your favorite all-star moment throughout today's program, we will take your calls. Another major story, of course, is Adams. That was in the open. And uh, this was provided to us by the great Curtis Sliwa, who joins me this morning and every weekday morning at 7.05. He's really terrific. He really is. So Eric Adams was at the Christian Cultural Center with the Reverend A.R. Bernard, who does a terrific program, 7 a.m. every Sunday morning here, right before John Katzmatidi's Katz Roundtable, alongside Rabbi Joe Potashnik. It's called the Rev and the Rabbi. And uh, these guys love Adams, you know, even though Adams has turned into a psycho, just a complete psycho, yelling and screaming. And now, look, he's getting criticized and deservedly so, Eric Adams, and he's yelling and screaming, you guys don't get it. In fact, he's blaming the media. Eric Adams is now blaming the media for not giving him the credit he thinks he deserves. Uh, he thinks he rebuilt this city. This city is a s-hole. S-hole, Eric. Wake up, buddy. Wake up. You're not even close, not even close to the point of beating your chest where you rebuilt this city. Sorry, buddy. No, I know you took over a rough situation after eight years of Bill Dickhead de Blasio. But please, don't beat your chest just yet. You're not even close. But he starts yelling and screaming. You know, he, he does your picking cotton, I'm black, you're white, blah, blah, blah. And this is why he's lost me the last couple of weeks. Of course, uh, that despicable story about the 86-year-old Jewish woman, Holocaust survivor, who he claimed was a plantation owner, treated Eric Adams like a slave, so here's some uh, Eric Adams yelling and screaming about uh, picking cotton and blacks and God and all this nonsense that any rational, sane person would have to come to the conclusion that Eric Adams has completely lost his mind. This is Mayor Eric Adams, Lewis, cut number two. Let me tell you what hard is. Hard is picking cotton aye, aye, aye. from sunup to sundown, giving birth Jesus. on the field and going back to pick cotton some more. I mean, you can't make it up. Then he goes on to say that he is the face, black man in America. 
Again, that black thing coming up. Mayor Eric Adams, cut number three. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, (laughs) in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. And people need to recognize that. Yeah, you need to recognize that. Holy crap, he's deranged. He, he's completely shot. It's yeah. over. Then he goes on to talk about it again. He does it again. We thought the first time he talked about getting the call from God, maybe it was one crazy moment. Now he's doing it over and over again. This is just Sunday. Once again, Christian Cultural Center, Reverend Aon Bernard, Eric Adams, talking about the call from God 30 years ago, cut number four. Over 30 years ago. Hearing that message from God that I was going to be <laughs> mayor on, January 1st, Stop 2022. It. Back in you. And the most important part of that message was God saying, you are to tell everyone you know. Because I don't want people to think you got there because of who you are. But I want them to know you got there because of who I am. You know what's even crazier? that Eric Adams claiming that God told him 30 years ago he'd be mayor last year. You know what's even crazier is his next assessment that the city is getting safer. Here's Eric Adams, cut number five. So let me say to you, CCC, they want to paint this picture of ineptness and incompetence. But let me show you the record. You're watching... Crime go down in the city. No one thought it was possible. (laughs) I I don't even know what to say. I just, we'll do one more. Talks about this incompetent man turn a competent city into a place to live. Is he calling himself incompetent? What's... (laughs) After I heard this. He, it's, it's a gaffe. It's got to be a gaffe because he does basically right. call himself he meant, incompetent. He meant to do it the other way around, maybe. He, I think he meant to say you're watching a competent man yeah. take an incompetent city and turn it into a place right. to live. He, meant, he, he really is a Biden of Brooklyn, yeah. Eric Adams. Yeah. <laughs> he does the same thing. Here he is. Uh, one more for you. <laughs> I don't know. This is <laughs> yeah. Eric Adams, cut number six. You are watching 81 thousand people coming to this city and not like other cities they're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level you are watching an incompetent person yes, we are. turning a competent place <laughs> yeah. in the city are watching an incompetent person this is what we need to recognize yeah. he finally got it right oh he finally God. got it right actually good for him uh, you yeah, are watching yeah. an incompetent person <laughs> All right, got a huge guest list today. It's going to be a fun show. I can promise you that. So this lady, uh, Debbie Schlussel, who um, Justin Ellick introduced right before the show as Debbie Schlussel, because he's a moron. Sorry, Debbie. Yeah, Debbie Schlussel. (laughs) You know her from Howard Stern, Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity. Mostly Howard makes her debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning after a very, very nice recommendation by Frank Morano. She'll be here at 645. Curtis Sliwa, 705. Bo Deedle, 745. Noam Layden, his nuggets at 825. WFAN legend, former partner of mine, Joe Beningo, coming up at 840. The mayor, the great Rudy Giuliani, coming up at 905. And Lieutenant Randy Sutton. Yes, he started the Wounded Blue live in studio coming up at 925. It's a kick-ass version, a Tuesday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Don't look back, you can never look back.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Boy. Well, Sid, I have to be honest. I was one of those people that thought the so-called Twitter killer was going nowhere. But we've seen a couple of very interesting things over the course of the last five days. We have seen 100 million users download this new Threads app. That is the fastest growing social media app or connectivity app of all time. It dwarfed the incredible record that ChatGPT had before this. We've not seen anything like this in the world of social media since Snapchat launched the Stories function. So it looks like Elon Musk is actually a little worried here about what Zuckerberg is doing. He's threatening legal action. He's saying that there this is a Twitter ripoff and that they're using some proprietary Twitter technology. Who knows? He may very well be right. They may settle this in court. He's taunting him online. Yesterday, Elon Musk came out and wanted to get into a penis measuring contest with Zuckerberg, although that's not the words that he used. And now there's even some serious talk of a steel cage match, an MMA style steel cage match. And Dana White has apparently been in touch with both sides, the Zuckerberg side, who has a black belt and is about 40 years old. And the Musk side, who looks a little bit more muscular and I think is a little taller, although he's 53 years old. So I don't know how the court battle ends. I don't know how the cage match ends. But it's clear that Threads has gone from being this fringe idea that was quickly dismissed by people like me to being a real competitor to Twitter. Twitter traffic is down significantly over the last three to five days. So I don't know if this is just the novelty of it or if this is going to continue. Only time will tell. To be continued. You're leaving now. It's in your eyes. There's no disguising it. It really comes as no surprise to find that you planned it all along. I see it now. It comes so clear. Your insincerity. Me, your starry eye. You think that I. Only time will tell. That's what Frank Morano said. That is the song right here by Asia. Frank talking about threads. I will tell you that I was on Instagram yesterday. Pretty cool post on Instagram. Go to at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. I had a guy named Jimmy Jacobs. And Jimmy Jacobs was in my high school class at Solomon Schechter High School. We're talking about 19... 1983, 1984, Brooklyn, New York. 
Church Avenue and East 5th Street. That school is now defunct. And I haven't seen or spoken to Jimmy now in 39 years. He wasn't part of my best friend group. That was Yitzi, Isaac Calderon, Alan Wengrofsky, Victor, Steve Weintraub, some of the girls, Eileen Lapsker, and um, Cindy Ben-Susan. These are some of the names. But uh, Jimmy puts on Facebook yesterday a picture of me from high school. I forgot how cute I was. I was really cute, actually, really cute. And a picture of the Dave Busco scene in Gravesend. And he goes, quote, on Facebook, from high school classmate to Kaleza soldier. Congratulations to my old friend Sid Rosenberg on this unbelievable career. Something like that. So I uh, took it and I put it on my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. And you can see a picture of me at about 17 years old and now at almost 57 years old. (laughs) So I was on Instagram for a little bit yesterday, and I clicked on somebody who was having a thread conversation, and it occurred to me because I tweet less and less these days. I was on Twitter, I think, two weeks ago, at Sid Rosenberg, but I tweet less and less. Maybe I will start to do stuff on threads. But once they start asking for passwords and fill out stuff, and I just have have no desire at that point. I'm like, I'm done. If I could just click on something and start right away, I'm in. But once it takes even five minutes, I'm out. You know what I'm saying, Justin? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure there's a way, and maybe I can help you with this later, but you can just automatically have all your Instagram details go right onto your threads. Is that right? Yeah. I don't even know my passwords. And I had a guy named Kevin Canessa, who's still a very good buddy of mine. He's a writer out in New Jersey. And way back when, he started all my social media pages. And you had all the, the passwords. I had no idea what they were. I've since probably, I don't know, I guess changed them five times. I never write them down. Never. Yeah, you're, so, not, you're not good. That's not your forte. No. Is, is so I can't even that. tweet from my phone. I've got a Twitter account, which has like 35,000 followers. Pretty good account, but it's on my iPad. But I can't move it to my phone because I have no idea what the password is. All this stuff is becoming way too much for me anyway. It really is. I'm perfectly okay because my Instagram automatically goes to Facebook. You know what I'm saying, guys? So it makes it easy on me. No, you're losing me right now. You, do you do any of that thread stuff? Well, no. you don't do any of it, you, but, no. you, but your girl MJ does. Yeah, so it's all right. It's a tool to use to, cut, to communicate yeah. with everybody. I think it's all right. But well, you're on it every day. You actually put our playlist, right. which people love. Yeah, well, that's, that's on Instagram. That's not threads. No, that's Instagram. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Threads is is Instagram's Twitter. You, yes. talk, you talk on there. <laughs> I don't. I don't use it. I don't want to use it. You don't want to. I don't use even it? use Twitter. But I, not, I, use, I use Twitter to find news. That's it. I don't tweet. You don't I, tweet. I don't, no. Yeah. Hey, does Noam do any of that stuff? On Noam Layden, does he? Um, Noam, do you tweet or thread or any of these things? I don't. You know. <laughs> yeah. What do you do besides masturbate? Oh. <laughs> That's well, not it. That's eighty percent, right? You there. know, talking about <laughs> masturbation and Instagram. I saw yesterday. You know, there's a there's a percentage of people who uh, still pray to the altar of Imus, and I'm one of those guys. Since he died, I I like him more and more every day. You guys know that, and I've been told time and time again that I remind a lot of people uh, similar to Imus when I get angry and stuff like that. That's fine. But there's a healthy amount of people that even work here. That, like, still pray to his altar. You know, he's the greatest of all time, and no one's ever going to come close. And, you know, they have these, like, secret conversations with Durder and uh, keep in touch and the I-Man and 
He's fine. So yesterday I saw a picture of Deirdre Imus on Instagram. And I never thought she was all that attractive to begin with, to be honest. That's just me. If you do, that's fine. I never did. I mean, certainly she was too good for Don because Don was one of the most (laughs) horrifying people you've ever seen in your life. I mean, physically, he was just repulsive. He was a repulsive-looking guy. So she was too good for him, but she's not really a good-looking woman, no. So I'm on Instagram yesterday, and I see a picture, and she's literally morphing into Don. (laughs) I swear to God, you got to see it. Her eyes are wacky. Her hair is awful. I, mean, I know she stays in, in pretty decent shape, but unlike the, bagi- the bikini shots she was showing last year, is, she's fully clad in this is, picture. Is it standing in front of this painting? Yes, and you're going to tell me she doesn't look like Don Imus a little bit, Deirdre? What are her eyes doing? I don't know. Wacky eyes, horrible hair. Looks like she's a hostage. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh Look at that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She just... Like, I know, really thought... She literally looks exactly I, I, like him. She looks like Don, right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Thank wow. you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, now I'm looking at it, too. Jeez. She is morphing into him. The painting looks more attractive. I know. <laughs> and I really thought when Don died, she, you know, she's still a relatively young woman, I think. And she... Uh, and Don yeah, she's, died... She's my age. Yeah, she's, she's young. She's, yeah. And Don died, uh, gave her millions and millions of dollars. I figured, oh, my God, <laughs> she's going to do some work and look great. She is morphing into Don Imus. Oh, as Bernard would call him, an old lesbian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, congratulations to Durder. By the way, that painting behind her is her artwork. I'm just looking yes. on her oh, no, page. She, she actually <laughs> she sells a lot of artwork. I mean, but look at that. It looks like something like a seven-year-old. Movie. I know. I know. But listen, That's, she makes Hunter Biden does the same thing. They both make money. Is that supposed to be her on the horse? I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the hat. That is I her. Think that's, yeah. Yeah. No, all kidding aside, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> all kidding aside. I'm like, what yeah. we're doing now. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But all, my point was I saw it. I go, oh, my God, she looks like Don. Way to go, Deirdre. Oh, well, all right, we got uh, Debbie uh, Schlussel making her debut uh, on the only program. Only time will tell. <laughs> 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 and uh, traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. You are awful people. Uh, right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast is from the other side of midnight. My guy, Frank Morano, who was just great on his analysis of threads. Here, Frank talks with RFK Jr. The federal government was done complying with the John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Act and that essentially there'd be no more documents released related to the John F. Kennedy assassination. And 99% of the material that could be released has already been released. Anything that's not been released, we're not going to release because of security concerns and things of that nature. You were pretty critical of President Biden for his handling of this. How come? Well, you know, they say 99%, but that's 99% of... uh, of four million documents and that's a big number (laughs) so you know one percent of four million is a big number and that's the one percent that they don't want released so we know that they have at least four thousand documents that they don't want people to see it's a 60 year old crime it's the most important crime in american history this is sid on sports Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. 
Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. And from the home run derby in Seattle last night, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. outlasts Randy Arozarena in the final round to win the 2023 title. Four years after he set a single round home run derby record only not, uh, to not win. Vladdy returned with a vengeance and added to his family's rich legacy in the process, winning the derby 16 years after his Hall of Fame father, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., did the same. Guerrero joins his dad as the first father-son duo to accomplish the feat and was eight years old in attendance when his dad took home the trophy in 2007. Local Mets slugger Pete Alonso failed to make it out of the first round against hometown favorite Julio Rodriguez with Rodriguez's staggering count of 41 homers in the first round, ousting Alonso's mere 21. Tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, you got to tune in for the 2023 installment of the MLB All-Star Game. Local Yankee ace Garrett Cole gets a start for the American League against Arizona Diamondbacks ace Zach Gallen. And a rare off-season news out of the college football world as Northwestern has fired longtime coach Pat Fitzgerald amid allegations of widespread hazing within the football program. The firing of Fitzgerald comes after the school announced Friday that he'd be suspended without pay for two weeks this summer, clearly. University President Michael Schill has changed his mind on the matter, saying, quote, he may have erred in weighing the appropriate sanction for Fitzgerald and acknowledged focusing, quote, too much on what Fitzgerald didn't know and not enough on what he should have known. Defensive coordinator David Braun is expected to be named the Wildcats acting head coach. Here with sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. To find a dealer near you, they're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. All right, when we come back, uh, Debbie Schlussel is going to come in. You haven't seen her either, huh? I'm waiting for her to come in live. Maybe we should look at her right now before the commercial. How about taking bets? Well, How about we I, weigh her? I love Gary's idea. It doesn't have to be with Schlissel of just lightening someone's weight, lightning bet someone's well, weight. Well, Schlissel is this girl who calls in all the time from Detroit. And she's very intense. Yeah, that's how she talks. <laughs> and she's got she's a real bright broad, but from her picture on the website, it looks like she might be even good looking. She said she's good looking. I got a feeling though that picture on the website's a big lie. But good looking how, Howard? I mean, like good looking, like like. Just well, regular like a seven, regular like regular girl, girl, girl good looking. Yeah. Okay. Well, so why don't we say right now? I think she's heavy. We think yeah. she should be a seven. I think she's heavy. Definitely heavy. I say hundred and thirty. Yeah. yeah. Where? I think she's one thirty. Let's weigh her. Let's weigh her. She's gonna let you weigh her. That's why. Fair. If she's got any balls, so here's what I do. I'll bring her in. She's got balls. I'll bring her in and I'll stand her here and I'll ask her if it's okay if we weigh her. All right. All right. You know what? Just put her on the scale and don't tell her. Okay. No, don't Any do that. Going you on? can't we do that to a brother. You can't wear her without telling her. We, we did that to Connie Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> she, called me, she called me some really bad names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you couldn't do that to her. She great, how would she grab it? She grabbed
Those are my guys right there, Howard, Robin, Artie, and Gary, the Howard Stern Show. I know it's um, very, I don't know, I guess the word is, um, it's almost cliche these days, cache, to rip apart Howard. Oh, he's not the same. He's become, oh, shut up, God. He's the best. He still is the best. Yes, of course, he's been contaminated by the likes of George Stephanopoulos and the rest of these people he hangs out with in the Hamptons. He's a horrible person, but he's still far and away the greatest radio entertainer of all time. And if when I'm done, I finish second to Howard, I'd be very, very happy with that. But there he's talking about uh, Debbie Schlussel, who's been around a long time. Very smart, talented lady, Frank Morano. Has her on all the time. She's got history with everybody from Bill O'Reilly to Sean Hannity to Curtis Sliwa, but none with me, none. So here she is making her debut on New York's number one news talk radio show, Sitting Friends in the Morning, Debbie Schlussel. Good morning, Debbie. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. How come you're not on the Howard Stern Show anymore? What happened? Well, I know you said you don't want to hear that Howard changed, but <laughs> that is the reason. He did change. Yeah. And everything has to go through this woman named Jody, I think, or or whatever her name is. The woman that's the consultant. Everything has to go through her. Gary doesn't even really have a say anymore. He's wanted to have me on and booked me, and then they canceled me at the last minute several times. Um, and Howard really has changed. I mean, he used to be the guy that uh, made fun of celebrities, that and now he's the one that hangs out with them and sucks up to them, Jimmy Kimmel and Jennifer Aniston yeah. and so on. No, listen, I, I, I agree, and I hate those people. Like, I, I really, and hate's a strong word, but I hate Jimmy Kimmel, and I hate George and all the <laughs> folks. But but if I want to sit down and listen to the best radio interview in the business, no one comes close. No one's even close. And when he's not talking about Donald Trump or politics, he's still brilliant. But I understand that if you're conservative or Republican or don't like the Hollywood elite, it would bother you. And my recommendation would be shut that part off. First of all, listen to me every morning. Listen to me every morning. Go to Howard in the afternoon on the replay and shut the parts off you don't like because the majority of what he does is still brilliant. Well, I wouldn't know. I don't have Sirius XM, so I don't listen to him anymore. They actually gave me Sirius XM for free the first couple of years he was on because they wanted me to listen and call in. But I do think that he has become a lot different in his politics, and I think it's affected his interviews. You know, he is on his apology tour, and and he said so. So he doesn't really ask the tough questions he used to ask the celebrities. And I agree, he was a very good interviewer. But I don't think he really you, – you never even really hear anything about his interviews anymore for that reason. He just doesn't ask any tougher, interesting questions anymore. And in terms of his politics, he used to be a libertarian and about freedom, and now he's about basically the far left and big yeah. government. That's fair. All these criticisms that you're loving at him are absolutely fair. Debbie Schlussel here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. So yesterday I had Dr. Mark Siegel on. And I know you know Dr. Mark Siegel from Fox News. You did plenty on there, too. And he was talking about a variety of topics from how a Yale physician now, Debbie, wants doctors to wear body cams to see if they're practicing racism, I swear to God, to the latest with COVID. But the reason why I bring him up is Dr. Mark Siegel 
is a proud graduate of Brown University. And I read something yesterday that I could not believe because at one point I even encouraged my daughter, Ava, who now goes to college in Europe her second year in Wales coming up, to go to Brown. And I read that over 40% of the students who go to Brown identify as gay or transgender. What the hell is going on there, Debbie? Yes, I mean, it, it's crazy. I, the population in general supposedly is 7.5% LGBTQABCDEFG. And, and where did you get that number? I heard it was more like 3%. Well, I was just going to say, in 2012, Gallup poll said that it was 3.7. And then suddenly in 2022, 10 years later, it's 7.5. And I think the reason for that is that this has become trendy to say. This is a fad. People don't really think this. I think that they're saying this because they want to be hip and so on. And I think Brown University is... You know, it's the playground of the spoiled and the children of the wealthy and the rich and famous. And they're very trendy. They're probably trendy more than uh, five times the amount that the regular population is. And so I think that they've become even more trendy. I don't think these people think this. I think we've become brainwashed that that's the thing to say. Yeah. You, you are the cool kid if you say that you're LGBTQ. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Well, guys are different. You know, guys, look, I, I do believe that if you're gay, it's still tougher for a guy. Girls, I know heterosexual girls, for example, that uh, they go back and forth. They think it's cute. It's fun. They they enjoy I mean, have you done that, Debbie, in your lifetime? No, absolutely no. You're lying, no. you're lying to me. 100% straight. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be more of a fad with a D, folks. Fad for, for women and girls than it is for men, yes? I think you're right, absolutely. And I saw this when I was in college uh, in the late 80s and early 90s um, at the University of Michigan. And I wanted to go to Brown also, but I think I ended up at a much better place. But even there, that was a fad to say that, and professors were teaching my friends to say these things and that's where these kids get brainwashed and you know brown i think is a bigger brainwashing machine than any uh my sister elizabeth i've got three sisters debbie one is alana she's my oldest sister out of new city then my sister ray sherry she lives in brooklyn then i was born and then my little baby sister elizabeth she lives in parkland florida she went to michigan and I visited her quite a bit in Ann Arbor. In fact, when uh, she was there, the basketball team led by Glenn Rice won the national championship. They beat Seton Hall. And Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback, and he is now, of course, for many years, the head coach. I love that school. What, what years were you there? I was there at the same time then. I was there from 1986 to 1990. Yes, same time. Yes. Yes, exact same time. And and I have stories about Jim Harbaugh, and I knew Glenn Rice. I knew a lot of those people, and that was a good time to be there. We were the national champions in, in both major sports, and it was a lot of fun to be there. But still, even then, I remember my dad would call it Moscow on the Huron. And then once I was there a couple of years, he said, you know what, that's not fair to Moscow, <laughs> because after all, Moscow has – 
become more right wing than Ann Arbor. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Ann Arbor is a uh, a little lefty, but it's a beautiful place. And Angelo's makes a wonderful omelet. This is uh, Debbie Schlussel joining us here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. So not only do you do political stuff, but you're big on the movies. I know you like to critique movies. And I sent you a bunch of information yesterday on my budding acting career, Gravesend, nine episodes, season two on Amazon Prime in my movie, my movie. Uh, I have a role in a movie coming out August 11th, theaters across America, called Inside Man, which I think is going to be a huge hit. I think it's the best mob movie since in Bronx Tale. And uh, you told me I must get a picture on my IMDb because Bo Deedle has one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you should get your picture on there because everybody, all, a lot of the major actors, and now you are one, have their picture and their bio up there, and you know what? I think it's good for business. Oh, it is. Um, I'm going to do that. But the thing is, I was told, though, that I have to uh, uh, pay an annual fee and fill out a oh. bunch of stuff. I don't like. I don't mind the money, but I, I don't like going through the time of filling out stuff online. I, I hate doing that. hate it. I hate it, too, but sometimes it's the cost of doing business, and yeah. now you're a big-time actor. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, Marianne from Brooklyn is uh, has just uh, texted me. She said, say hello to Debbie. The line is busy. I'm trying to call in. Any thoughts on my dear friend Marianne from Brooklyn? Yes. Hi, Marianne from Brooklyn. I remember that name. She Wasn't she a regular? I think she, she still is. to be a regular. She still lady, is. And I she is still is and i remember her no she's a wonderful lady she's she's not only is she a howard stern regular but she's a great brooklyn lady in fact at one point she even considered running for brooklyn borough president i'm not sure where she is with that but i love her yeah she should i agree so uh mission impossible is coming out on wednesday in terms of big time summer movies tom cruise i guess that's the big one have you seen it yet i have now it's not bad but my issue with it is it is nearly three hours long, and all of these big blockbusters now are almost three hours long. Some are even at three hours, and it's time to do an editing job. I feel like these directors are narcissists. They they feel like my time is really not worth anything, and that they don't have to spend their time editing the movie. And there is a lot of repetitiveness in this movie. I feel like to me. It's not bad. The action is great. There's a lot of there are a lot of stunts. However, it's repetitive. It's the same stuff I've seen in almost every Mission Impossible movie. Come up with something new. They're after these two parts of a key. They're these two keys that come together. And if the wrong person gets the key in their own hands, it can control chat gbt and ai and all of that and destroy the world and ethan hunt tom cruise who's now 60 um <laughs> will have to get a hold of it or the world will be destroyed yeah, yeah. It's, I, it, you know yeah it, it's funny you say tom cruise is 60 and he still looks great he still looks great but yes. i remember when you know after risky business and he was on fire, Deb. You remember? I mean, everything he did from uh, obviously uh, what was the uh, the big one with uh, Dustin Hoffman? Um, what's the name of that? Uh, yes, Rain Man to Cocktail to the Firm. I mean, every movie, everything Tom Cruise did, he was he was great looking. He was the Hollywood heartthrob, uh, Top Gun. Obviously, everybody loved his movies. And now you just said it. He's sixty, so can he still get away with being 
I guess anybody can. If Harrison Ford is still Indiana Jones, then I guess Tom Cruise can still do it, right? He still can. This is a lot better, in my opinion, than the Indiana Jones movie, but there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of the same stunts in the movies, and 60-year-old Tom Cruise, I think, pulls it off better than 80-year-old Harrison Ford. (laughs) Um, Both movies are too long. This one is better, but this one, it's half a movie. It ends halfway through. It's part one. And so now I'm going to have to wait and try and remember what happened a year or two later. Come yeah, on. No good. It's not yeah. fair for no, three hours. No, I agree. So the next time you come on, it'll be the week of August 12th. And the next movie critique you're going to do is mine, Inside Man. Absolutely. Does that sound good? Absolutely. I'd love to see that. I can't wait. I sent you the trailer, and you seemed intrigued by that. So we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. It is great to have you on. My phone is blowing up. A lot of people really love you out there, and, of course, they should. You've had a long, great career. So thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, thanks to thank Frank Morano. Anytime. Thank you, Deb. All right. There, there she is, folks. Debbie Schlussel making her debut right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. That wraps up a terrific hour number one. Once again, thank you, Debbie. Big hour number two about to come your way, which includes Curtis Sliwa. He's great every morning at 7.05. And the aforementioned Bo Deedle. He'll be here at 7.40. Hour number two of an epic Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. Coming back with some Hole & Oats. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Again, thanks to Debbie Schlussel. I thought she was very, very good. Big show still to come. Bo Deedle, Joe Beningo, Rudy Giuliani, and Lieutenant Randy Sutton. So we played crazy for you because we were sure, absolutely, and I love saying this, cock sure, (laughs) that um, Curtis Sliwa was going to talk about our crazy mayor. But if you missed the very first segment of today's program, and I recommend everybody, if you miss it, 
go back and listen every day. The first segment of the show, I map out the show so well. And at the risk of sounding arrogant, brash, and quite dicky, it's a great segment every morning. And we spent a lot of time this morning talking about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game tonight, which none of us are going to watch, none of us, but brings back great childhood memories. And for me, I go back to 44 years ago, 1979, Seattle Kingdom, when New York met Lee Mazzilli, came up big off of pitchers Jim Kern and Ron Guidry and led the National League to a 7-6 win 44 years ago. And I guess that has inspired my man Curtis Sliwa, noon to one every weekday, all weekend long, gets huge ratings, an icon, a legend on this show, all five weekdays at 7.05, to talk baseball instead of Eric Adams this morning. Is that right, Curtis? That's exactly right. We know that Eric Adams, I mean, is sports challenged. Uh, that one cut you played that I provided to you, I didn't give it to anybody else but you. And I did thank you. When he was talking about picking cotton, the only cotton he ever picked out was out of an Advil bottle, you know, before he took his Advil. <laughs> what ridiculous. But I, be, I can beat up on him any day. That's why I listen to your program all the time from beginning to as much as I can to the end. Because we have hosts and hostesses here. They never listen to WABC. You know that. They never refer to other programs. They're in their own little cone. Yeah. you got to listen. This is talk radio, not talk TV. So you brought me back on the time machine. And I'm not talking Rod Serling, right? I'm not talking. I'm talking about Marine Park. There I was digging in in the baseball diamond that they now used to play cricket. Right. A beloved baseball oh, diamond that. cricket. I'm, I stop. stop you for one second, though, what you just said about the other hosts. And I hope Greg Kelly is listening right now because if he ever wants to get better than a three, which, by the way, is not much to brag about, but if he ever does, he needs to stop talking about the same thing for two hours every day and be playing his Newsmax show. The reason why later on this afternoon at noon the spring book is going to come out, and I'm going to win again. I'm going to be number one in New York City again. Curtis gets great ratings, too, is because we can spend 15 minutes talking baseball. You'll never hear Greg Kelly. In fact, you'll never hear a majority of the shows on this station do anything but the local news and politics, and that's why they get 2.8s, and I get 6s and 7s and the rest of those numbers. Back to you, Curtis. Let me tell you something. You think I'm stupid? I'm not going to pimp your ride. Remember, speed skating, right? You stay right behind your opponent. You let them break out in front, and then you glide because you're there. The air is, like, pushing you forward. You know, you mentioned Lee Mazzelli. Eight times he was the national speed skating champion coming out of Brooklyn. Stop it. Yes, he used to wear those long, long skates, compete against all those uh, Dutchmen up in Wisconsin and Minnesota. I saw him on ABC's Wide World of Sports. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. He was only a junior at that time at Lincoln High School. Eight speed skating championships because he used to practice at the Abe Stark Arena yeah. right there on Coney uh, Island. I know it well. That's uh, Joe Tacopina, the great defense attorney for Trump, my dear friend of 46 years, went on to, to this day, still holds the all-time record for penalty minutes in one hockey season at Skidmore. He played his hockey as a child at Abe Stark in Coney Island. Skidmore. We're talking the Italian stallion Lee Mazzilli. Well, Takapina's an Italian stallion, too. I, I know. But, but, I, but I did love Mass. I had no idea he was a speed And skater. not only that, he was born ambidextrous. Some right. guys, they have to practice being a switch hitter. So there I am. I'm captain of the JV team, Brooklyn Prep. We're playing an exhibition in Marine Park before the start of the PSAL season, which Mazzilli was in, Lincoln High School, and the CHSL season that I was in, the Catholic High School. School league. So I'm the leadoff hitter, right? 
Lee Mazzilli's on the mound, right? He's pitching right. He strikes me out. I didn't even get the bat off my shoulder. Three innings later, none of us touched him. He turns around. He starts pitching lefty. My coach Duffy from from West New York and Jersey. Hey, Curtis, you're not going to have him make you look like an idiot, are you? At least bunt the ball. He's pitching lefty. I tried to bunt the ball. I didn't even come close. Then in between innings, he's smoking cigarettes on the bench <laughs> like Joe DiMaggio. Naturally, his coach ain't going to say nothing. Well, you know, I'll smoke cigarettes uh, in the dugout on the bench all the time was former Cardinal and New York Met first baseman, now TV legend Keith Hernandez. That's right. But and you don't say anything to the superstars. This is your... You're correct. He played center field for like an inning. Basket catches. He had a gun. He was stealing bases. You said, man, this guy had all world written on him. And then eventually the Mets, it was Tory and Mazzilli. Eh, forget Tory then. But Lee Mazzilli was every girl. Every, oh, oh, so good God. looking. Yeah. The Italian yeah. style. Well, you had, you had two guys uh, in New York when Maz was still a star for the Mets. Uh, years after that, Bucky Dent came to uh, to the Yanks, and uh, there was kind of a competition. Bucky came from Texas, and, of course, he was from Chicago, really. Look, look I'm, a, I'm a Yankee fan. Don't even mention Bucky Dent in the same vernacular as Lee Mazzilli. He was one of our own. No, I know Brooklyn, that. He was a Brooklyn boy. Through. No I know, matter but... where he went, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Toronto, it didn't matter. And everywhere he went, whatever you asked him to do, he did. Come off the bench. Maz. Sub- yeah. The guy was super spectacular. Hey, don't forget, too, that when the Mets traded Lee Mazzilli, they got, uh, one of the guys they got was Ron Darling. And how integral was Ron Darling on that 86 championship team? Maz was back at that point. That's right. Hawaii was a boy. big pinch hitter. Hawaii boy, yes. right? Uh, in Maui, he must have been smoking Maui Wowie out there, you know, in Oahu, going to Yale University. Who ever thought that he'd be the great pitcher that he is? But I am going to convert you to the home run derby. Okay. I'm not talking about the home run derby at the All-Star game. It's 1960. I'm six years old. What year is this? 1960. 60. Who I'm won the World six Series years year? old. Hey, the Pittsburgh. Uh, Pirates, uh, uh, Mazeroski, the Polish guy. There was Yogi looking up at the ivory wall there uh, in, in Pittsburgh, right? Oh, my God. And there was Ralph Terry who threw him the home run pitch. Ralph Terry. I and saw to, that game. And to this day, because uh, for folks that don't know, Bill Mazeroski was a tremendous defensive second baseman. Tremendous. Polish. Polish. But he couldn't hit the ball. Couldn't and then Tony Kubak in that game, it right. was a bad ground. It hit him right in the, right in the throat. throat. He almost yeah. swallowed yeah. his Adam's apple. But don't cause me to digress. But one home run for Mazeroski got that guy in the Hall of Fame. Let me tell you something. He's Polish. Don't forget that. So here it is, 1960. My uncle Steve, Detroit Tiger fan, came from Detroit, married my Aunt Mary. They're in Old Howard Beach. So, Curtis, this is going to be your greatest experience. 1960, first home run derby. Once a week on TV, Mickey Mantle versus Willie Mays. That's pretty good. Mark Scott is the host. So it's nine innings. They're at Wrigley Field, not Chicago and Los Angeles. 340 down the left field line, 340 down the right field line. So it's even Stevens. And what they had to do is compete against one another against live pitching, hitting home runs. And then in between, 
when Mickey Mantle was up, there's Willie Mays in the booth with Mark Scott commenting on Mickey Mantle. And he says to Mark Scott, hey, look, in the third inning, I got $500 I can win. Would you shut up when I'm up at bat? Because I'm hearing you. You know how cheap Willie Mays oh, was. very cheap. So yes. Mark Scott was then going, like, uh, like Chris Schenkel, you know, the PBA, you know, <laughs> professional. Ball. And here's Willie Mays. What do you think, Mickey? Well, you know, he's, he's really come out of the back. This was great. Well, I didn't realize it was Willie oh, Mays versus e Mickey Mantle. ESPN had the series. I'm sure they have it on the old time show. You had Hank Aaron. You had Ernie Banks, who's our Ernie Anastas, Sunshine Ernie Banks, Bobby Allison, Ken Boyer, Rocky Calavito, wow. Gil Hodges, Al Kaline, Harmon Killebrew, Eddie Matthews, Frank Robinson, Duke Schneider. Wow. You I didn't realize they had those names. Oh. Yeah. It reminds oh. me, you know, when they first did the, the slam dunk contest, for example, in the NBA, uh, way back when, you had people like Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Julius oh, Irving. You had the best players that, that was would compete. Best. Right now, you have guys that win the slam dunk contest. They play like G League basketball. Same thing with now. No, Julio Rodriguez is a great player. Pete Alonso last night. Or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But look at the names you're talking about, Curtis. These are all-time greats. You, you got to at least watch the first one. Willie right. Mays versus Mickey Mantle. And you were saying how boring, right? No, they're in the booth in between uh, innings, critiquing one another. Mickey Mantle critiquing Willie Mays. Willie Mays critiquing Mickey Mantle with Mark Scott. It was like pushing him, pushing him. I'm looking at all your notes here. This is unbelievable. You've also got a page that reads Mayor's Trophy Game, Pete Rose and Ray Fossey, and a bunch of other names. And you remember the Mayor's Trophy Game. And look, the one thing about, uh, you talk about Eric Adams, Rudy Giuliani, diehard Yankee fan. I don't care whether you're a Yankee fan or a Met game or a Met fan. All I ask is if you're a, a politician in this city, you root for the local teams, not the Blasio rooting for the Boston Red Sox. I don't even know who Eric Adams roots for. Is Eric Adams even oh, a sports fan? Oh, he claims he's a Mets fan. You know, what? he said, oh, uh, my favorite player was Tommy Agee. If I said to him, who was his best friend on the Mets in 69, you think he would say Cleon Jones? He'd have no not. idea. He'd have no, no idea. idea. Probably yeah. hung out at Tommy yeah. Agee's bar, you know, <laughs> when he was chasing Trim. I mean, that's about all he knows about Tommy Agee. Remember, the bar was right on the way to uh, Shea Stadium there. But I will tell you this. You, I'm going to criticize Noam Laden. What? He does this entire expose on tick bites, which are very serious because you could get Lyme disease. And I remember, you know, I hate the Mets. But one guy I like was Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver was, I mean, he was grunting, the best, right? The best. As yeah. Reggie Jackson said uh, about real, Tom. In real life, a uh, not a very, very nice guy. Well, I mean, he was I, to I me. I met Tom a lot. Right. Not very nice. He was to me. But as Reggie Jackson said, Blind guys would go to the ballpark to hear Tom Seaver pitch. He'd be grunting. He'd be throwing. I mean, it was great. By the way, he was a better golfer than he was a baseball player in Fresno, California. And nobody wanted to take a chance on him. They sent him to Alaska. USC wouldn't give him a scholarship. You know who drafted him first? The L.A. Dodgers. So he said, give me 50000 They said, we give you 2000 He goes, I'll go back to playing college uh, baseball. They could have had Tom Seaver, oh Mr. California. <laughs> Oh, then the wow. Atlanta Braves drafted <laughs> yeah. him first, but there was some kind of a problem in the draft. That's how the Mets ended up getting him. And then Donald Grant, right, that idiot, all of a sudden traded him well, to the Cincinnati really, Reds. It, it, it wasn't Donald Grant. Believe it or not, it was, I used to do the midday show at WFAN with a guy named Jody McDonald. You know Jody from also in Philadelphia. Absolutely, absolutely. So Jody's father, Joe McDonald, was the GM of the Mets. And he got fired, thank God. Well, he traded Tom Seaver to what? the Reds. Jody's father, in exchange, mind you, for Steve Henderson, 
Doug Flynn, Dan Norman, and Pat Zachary. Yeah, the Pat Zachary. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> a memorable, right. And where did Tom Seaver get his only no-hitter? Five one-hitters for the Mets in Cincinnati. <laughs> That's right. And you tell me, Jody Mack, you tell Jody Mack, I curse his father to this day. What the hell was that? Well, that was like all those great years that Dwight Gooden had with the Mets. He never threw a no-hitter from the match. He went to the Yankees. Yeah, but he, and was, he, could throw it. he was doing the blow. Yeah, he was. And by yeah. the way, yeah. Yeah. they indicated that Lee Mazzilli was doing the blow the same year that Keith Hernandez <laughs> was doing the blow. You had to bring that up, right? You had to bring They all testified before the grand jury. Oh, no, no, and then no. remember Keith Hernandez standing ovation when he came back to Shea Stadium. You were doing blow, selling it in the clubhouse, but let's give him a standing ovation. <laughs> Maybe that was the cocaine in the White House. But anyway... Tom Seaver got bit by a tick and was debilitated for about a year. And then it came back to haunt him later on, I think in like 2016, and it caused his dementia, and he died. Let me tell you something. That's when I realized that when you get bit by a tick and you get Lyme Lyme disease, it's serious. Hell yeah. Yeah. Very serious. Yeah. It yeah. took down one of the greatest athletes of our yeah. lifetime, yeah. Tom Seaver. Yeah. I know you don't like Tom Seaver. <laughs> oh, I love my but let's face the number 41. Here's a Yankee fan <laughs> having to convince you about Tom Seaver. What the hell is wrong Not with you? My favorite 67 to 77, yep. the 10 best years you ever had yep. following the New York Mets. And then remember, they were playing the Oakland Athletics. They were ahead 3-2 the Mets. Seaver was on the mound, and Reggie Jackson, who helped propel them to the World Series, said, you know, Tom didn't have his A stuff today, but he pitched with his heart. What the <laughs> hell is wrong with you, Sid, when a Yankee fan has to tell you how great Tom Seaver was and how you should look up in the sky right now and apologize? Apologize, like I do to Willie Mays, who said, shh, it's $500 on the line. I'm like the cheapest skin flint who ever played baseball. I hated everybody when I walked around Riverdale in the Bronx, like Mickey Mantle, my my hero who is a jerk, and Joe DiMaggio, who wouldn't give you the time of day, huh? Now, do I qualify for one of the 20 guys who got fired at ESPN? I could replace Max Kellerman, who used to do local Manhattan cable, and answer a phone, and people would curse him out. And because it was cable... We got to hear it. I'm ready for ESPN. You find me once in Bristol. I'm ready to make my return. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I tell you, I'm never lucky at gambling. You know, I was in a game show. I won a twenty-day cruise in the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) I tell you, I don't get a break with nothing. I joined Gamblers Anonymous. They gave me two to one. I don't make it. Oh, boy, the other night in Las Vegas, I'll tell you, I got loaded. I don't know what I'm doing. I played dice. I lost a thousand bucks. I got even, though. I stole 400 sweet and lows. <laughs> this afternoon, my wife started in again. Yeah, she keeps throwing up when I work Las Vegas. I went broke playing the slot machines, you know. I'll tell you, Las Vegas, I got slot machines all over, even in supermarkets. I went in to buy a container of milk. cost me $238. <laughs> 
Now, with gambling, I'm never lucky. Well, last week at a track, I shot off the opening gun and they killed my horse. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting old. I'm not a kid anymore. I know I'm getting old. In Vegas, I played a slot machine. Three prunes came up. <laughs> I mean, people look at me, they figure I'm the type of guy I get, I get drunk and go to the track, right? They're wrong. I get high first. I get drunk and go to the track. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love my kids, you know. But sometimes they can really give it to you. I remember one day I came home from the racetrack. I had eight losers. I opened the front door. My kids jumped on me. And they said, let's play horsey. <laughs> <laughs> well... I know these uh, producers today that produce podcasts, and they show me all these comedians. Oh, this guy's great. You should put him on, Sid. And then I uh, compare him to Rodney Dangerfield, and they just lose every time, every time. Bo Deedle is coming up next. So we did have Debbie Schlussel on earlier, made her debut on this show. Debbie's had quite a career. Spent about a year and a half uh, doing, uh, I guess she was on Howard quite a bit, and Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, Fox News, Curtis Sliwa. But she made her debut on this program this morning, and she was talking specifically about how Howard, who I still love and make no apologies for it, even though I think he's a douchebag when it comes to politics and he's a backstabber, what he's done to Trump is not right. But I still think he's found away the most talented radio performer and will always be. But uh, Debbie now has uh, become one of the many who have uh, gone against him, kind of like the Trump people, you know. He's got the best policies, but I'm done. A lot of folks go Stern was the best, but I'm done. Not this lady. This lady is a very, very rabid Stern supporter, but also listens to us most mornings. In fact, during the summer when Stern is off, listens to us just about every morning. She had uh, designs of running for Brooklyn Borough president. She is a real Brooklynite. It's my friend from the Howard Stern Show, Marianne from Brooklyn. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning, my friend. First, let me just tell you, I love Debbie. She's a very intelligent woman, but she's very wrong on this aspect. First of all, Howard didn't backstab Trump. He said from the beginning he wasn't going to support him. And you know what? Uh, I pay for my subscription. Nobody tells me when to call, how to call, and who to call. It's all on my own. So that's my take on that. And as far as Howard changing... We've all changed a little bit, Sid. We got older. Where we, uh, I don't want to use the word evolve. We're more mindful. That's what I want to say. I think even you are. We're all mindful of our actions. Yeah, but but you, but you, but you, but you're more like me. You, you are the complete antithesis of your hero and idol, Howard Stern. I mean, you're a Republican. Let's be honest, Marianne. Right. So is Howard. So is Howard a Republican. And you know what, Sid? My dad. My dad, when I first went to vote, he took me to PS200 because I was, like, clueless. I was, like, a dingy, you know, class clown comedian. He took me to vote, and he registered me. I didn't even know what he was doing, but I registered. But I, bo- I go both ways, Sid. I always have. I've gone Democrat. I've gone Republican. I've always voted because I felt it was my right. But I'm not, I wasn't calling about politics. I was calling about Grayson, really. <laughs> yeah, you know it's so cute. I got I got Bo Deedle coming up next, and he's talking about graves. And I, first yeah. of all, Chuck Cito in that fight scene said yeah. that's got to yeah. get a fucking Emmy. Oh no, no, you can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, you forgot. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm that's got to get an Emmy. That's the that's the Brooklyn Bensonhurst coming at me. That shoe said, you know the shoe yeah, shoe yeah. where they had the, yeah. the, the that's my shoe on Twenty First Avenue. <laughs> I am living and breathing graves, and I love Peter. I think. His just stance back there, less is more. With Peter, he's fabulous. You carrying uh, um, Andrew 
Paradise Clay's umbrella is what? The, it's better than P. Diddy. And also, Sid, what, what about what about Fran Drescher? Yeah. Oh, my God. She's fabulous. Sid, I, lo- I binge-watched it. The first time, I never binge-watch any shows. I keep my radio on 24-7. That's the only show I've ever binge-watched, and I loved it over the weekend. July 4th weekend, I watched the whole thing or whatever. This, you know. Yeah, and I have to I tell you, it. I have to tell you, Marianne, thank you for the call, but uh, of all the people that put stuff on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter about Gravesend, and I mean this sincerely, uh, the stuff that you wrote on there about me, about Peter, about Chuck Zito, Bo Dito, and everybody, I took that the most to heart because when I think of Brooklyn, I think of Marianne from Brooklyn. That's her nickname. She is Brooklyn. She's Bensonhurst. She'll never leave. Wanted to run for Brooklyn Borough President. I love Marianne from Brooklyn, oh so God. thank you. Thank yeah. you. You sure she's from Brooklyn? <laughs> How do you know? You got to love her. You, and, and let me say this. When I did my book signing, when my book came out last summer at Michael's Restaurant, talking about Brooklyn, Nostrand Avenue, Avenue R, who was there first that day? Marianne from Brooklyn. So she's loyal. She's a stern lady first. We know that. But she loves herself some Sid Rosenberg. She loves herself some Brooklyn. And she loves herself some Donald Trump. And she is a very, very sweet lady. I love I'm her. Effing first, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she calls Howard that serious XM. You can say that type of stuff. So, anyway, thank you, Marianne. We've got uh, Bo Deedle coming up next. Always great on a Tuesday. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I've been asked in political circles, what can the new immigrants that are coming to our country today? learn from the Italian Americans and I said everything because you can be authentically Italian and be authentically American so they have a lot to learn from us because we are proud Americans we love this country we love the fact that we were able to achieve our dreams here and we brought our families here probably with shirts on our back and we worked our asses off and we're very And the very, the one thing we're really, really at is complaining. We're not good complainers. And that's a good thing. Because we work hard. We love God. We love our country. We love our countries. And this is something special that we have. And it couldn't be achieved without our incredible pride. So tonight's the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That voice you just heard was a multiple All-Star for the Los Angeles Dodgers and a beloved hero in New York with the Mets. That was Mike Piazza. Piazza and an Italian-American baseball cigar night. Talking about the Italian culture, being an Italian immigrant. And our next guest, who spent the better part of two decades distinguishing himself as one of the greatest cops in the history of this city, now is an unbelievable actor in the movies, whether it's Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, television shows like Gravesend. He's an inside man coming out as well. Godfather of Harlem. And most importantly, a dear friend of mine for 30 years, Bo Dito. But Bo is also really, really good friends with Mike Piazza. In fact, I remember seeing Mike Piazza at a couple of Bo Dito's old Christmas parties. So here he is on a Tuesday morning, my dear friend Bo Dito, also an Italian. Good morning, Bo. How are you? Good morning, and uh, great regards to Mike Piazza. I was at his wedding at on Fisher Island. Uh, uh, Margo and I went to his wedding 
back a few years ago, and he married this magnificently beautiful lady who was a Playboy playmate, and her uh, her bridesmaids, I think she had 10 or 12 Play, Playboy playmates as wow. a bridesmaid. Wow. You didn't want, you didn't, you didn't, you would have loved to be in an usher in that one. <laughs> but I tell you what, Mike Piazza was always the class. His dad, Vinny, we used to go to the games there in, uh, in, in Met State, Chase Stadium. Uh, Mike Piazza is a great Italian American and he's a, he was a great ball player and we love Mike Piazza. Yeah. So let's get into what's going on now with the city because the headlines the last couple of days about the city cops retiring and all that, people don't realize. You know, at one point, and I interviewed Bratton, I interviewed Kelly, I interviewed a lot of people, and I said, what's going on across the country? You know, this is all about this George Floyd effect. Ever since that happened in 2020, uh, and then the pandemic setting in, and then letting all these scumbags get away with rioting, burning, assaults, murders even, where they didn't prosecute. It's a thing where cops now are feeling like they're the victims on this thing. We see right now that, that how many cops are retiring, and they're just quitting. They just throw their papers in, and they're just quitting. At one time, we had up near 40,000 cops now we're lowering it down. We're at, we're getting close to 30,000 cops on the street. The problem is now they can't get them. They've also lowered the standards. Now you can have a criminal record. You can have a high school diploma. We just keep lowering Whoa, it. Oh, hold on. Hold on a second. You can have a yeah. criminal record and be a cop? Yes. Yes, you get a waiver and you can be a cop with a criminal. And I really, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm hearing that you could even have a felony record. But hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on there, uh, Lightning. My man, Lightning. I'm going to call you Lightning from now on. <laughs> All I tell you right now, Sid, is that we have people that are going to be able to be wiped away their record. Their misdemeanors are going to be wiped completely clear. And some felonies are going to be wiped completely clear off their records, which means that you can't use that. So when they sign that when they sign that affidavit to become a cop where you have arrested, they can put no because that's part of the deal with this wipeout of your record. Do you understand what's going on out here? Let's talk a little bit more about the retirements. The pay for cops is so ridiculous. They bumped it up a couple of dollars. They're making about $53,000 a year. They get taxed. Imagine having three children and trying to survive on that. Right. All of a sudden, they changed the retirement. Now you got to put in, used to be 20 years and out. Now you got to put in up to 25 years to get your full pension. Used to be when you got hurt. On the job, you got three quarters tax free. They changed that. You got to put money into that. So, in other words, if you don't put money into that and you get injured, you're not going to get three quarters tax free. So, they've changed everything. They also have that proposal with the $5.9 billion for the police department. They want to cut it by, they have a big plan to cut that by a billion dollars. I got to stop you right there. When you say they, they have a plan to cut that $6 billion, is it Hochul? Is it Stuart Cousins? Is it Eric Adams? Who is it? All of the above are acting in concert, including Shake and Bake, Shimani Williams, with those morons in the city council who are 
bringing out new bills. Now, when a cop is out there and you ask that cop for directions, how do I get to Times Square? Well, you got to make a report. You got to make a report on this. They are being taken. Their heart and soul is being taken out of it. I mean, it, it's so crazy. And they have this bill right before the morons in the city council now to make them do paperwork more and more and more. And they have looked upon now as secondary citizens. And now people are spitting at them, smacking them, laughing at them. We saw what happened, how it all started after 2020 when they were pouring water on the cops' heads, laughing. And now you got them riding around on scooters with no license plates on them. And they're, 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 they're taunting cops. That's what they do right now. And right now you have to uh, – you can only retire – if you put into that, so if you get injured as a cop right now, if you're putting into that three-quarters fund, you could possibly get it. But if you're not putting into it, you're going to only get your half pay. Jeez. It's, 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 it's just crazy. You know, and, I, and I saw this report uh, yesterday in the New York Post, Bowl, and I don't know about you, but I like this guy, Patrick Henry. He replaced uh, your old friend there, uh, Lynch, Pat Lynch. He's yeah, now, yeah, yeah. He, he seems like a pretty serious guy. I know that he represents about 21,000 cops in the city, and he seems really fed up with local government, city and state. He was really pissed off a couple of days ago. You know, you know, and, and, and even with the, with the people leaving, we're talking about retirements and quits at 2020, 1535, 1507 in 2021, 2019 and 22, and already, 1,500 already this year. It could go up to over 2,000. We are losing them so fast. You know what that means? That means we don't have the manpower. We don't have it. And when people are saying, oh, we don't need cops, well, who are you going to call? A gang member? Or how about Al Sharpton? That's <laughs> okay, listen to me. Now, and we're looking, look at what they're facing, Sid. Now we got this flesh rat, uh, this flesh-eating thing, uh, animal trans, trans Whatever the hell it's called. It's called Trank. It's called Trank. Trank, yes, yes. These junkies now are overdosing. They got scabs and sores all over their body. And then they're on heroin. It's mixed into heroin, coke, meth, mostly in the Bronx. Now we have the cops and our emergency uh, uh, workers there, including firemen, have to deal with this. I mean, it's just over and over and over what we have to deal with. And these poor yeah, but but it doesn't matter because clearly, yeah. clearly, you did not listen to your friend, Mayor Eric Adams, when he was at A.R. Bernard's church on Sunday when he said, and I quote, the city has become much safer because God appointed him mayor and he's done a tremendous job. Did you not listen to that? You missed it? Listen, all I could say is that we're, we're, we're losing control right now. And even even look at our friend George Santos. Our friend George Congressman Santos, he, did you know he is just like Rosa Parks? Did you hear what happened during the, during the, during the Biden's full uh, address, uh, the, 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 uh, the State of the Union address? All of a sudden, uh, this, uh, Senator, I mean, uh, Senator, what's his name, from Utah, he came over to him. And Mitt, Rom- Mitt, Rom- oh, Mitt Romney came over yeah. to him. Yeah. And he told him, get out of the front seat. you got to go in the back. Well, then he goes, because he's a gay Latino man, he's just like Rosa Parks. Uh, <laughs> Senator, Rosa Senator, Romney, Parks. Senator Romney made him sit in the back, this little punk. Now, wait, wait, gets better. Wait, gets better. Gets better. All of a sudden now, a transformer, one of these translucent, was crowned Miss Netherlands. Now, hold on a second. Is crown Miss Netherlands. Now she, he, whatever the hell it is, can go and compete in the Miss Universe. 
I'm just hoping about one thing. I hope the shaft was cut off because I want to see how he's going to, she's going to fit into one of those little bikinis. He's got like an eight inch shaft. What happens? Where do you put it? Well, I think, I I think they actually stopped doing, I swear to God, the bikini contest. So it may work out with that person, but you're right. It is, it's, it's gotten crazy. I'm just glad that you brought up my friend, Tom Cruise. Let me tell you about Tom Cruise, and we'll get into Lachlan right with the same story. Tom Cruise is in probably one of the greatest shapes of any of our actors. I know for a fact, Tom Cruise, Lachlan, Tom Cruise, listen to me. All I know for a fact is Tom Cruise does a lot of his stunts, some of the most dangerous stunts. He flies jets. He parachutes. This dude is, he might be 60, but he's the new 40 of 60. I'll put my money on Tom Cruise. He's not like any other actor, and I really support him. And just ask Lachlan Murdoch how good a shape he's in, Lachlan. You know, and also, Lachlan, I'm going to give you the announcement. I just hired two lawyers, Lachlan, Lachlan Murdoch of News Corp. And guess what's happening? I'm filing a liable and defamation suit. Yeah, this is the Chinese spy, Chinese spy coming in, you lying piece of garbage. All I can tell you right now, you should be paying attention to the $2.5 billion lawsuit that you have coming up from Symantec. And you know what? You're going to be forced to testify on your emails and your text messages that you put out there, you little punk. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to settle it like the little wimp that you are because the board of directors is controlled by Daddy, Daddy Robert Murdoch. And you will not be bounced out because you control everything. But you're not going to control me because I'm coming after you. Now, we can stop. I can stop this lawsuit. All I'm asking for is a meeting with you. You can have eight security guys, eight lawyers, all of them, because I'm continuing. Everyone says, Bo, you're taking on this billionaire. You know what? I'm the little guy, but I'm the little guy you don't want to mess with. And that's it. And I'll keep coming. Now, good news today I got. That child molested that Larry Nassar, that, that one yes. that, that was sexually assaulted. assaulted the gymnast. He, he, yeah, he did the, all those gymnasts in Michigan. Right. Yes. As young as 12 years old. Guess what? He got stabbed twice in the neck <laughs> six times in the back. <laughs> all, all I know, all I know is they should, they should have finished, they should have finished the job. That's all I know. Now, also, listen to me. We got to have a big shout out for our man, uh, Joe Esposito, Chief of uh, Esposito. He's getting his last treatment today at the oh, great. and radiation. And then he's going to be, he's going to be a guest at the, uh, uh, at the uh, Bow House out there in the Hamptons when he's feeling a little better in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, a lot of these people, this is important that people listen to this. All of a sudden, the new trend is not L.A., uh, New Jersey diet, whatever it's called. Now what they're doing is they're shooting this Zemtech. Into oh, a long into time. Yeah. This is, you know, who does now, this? All of your friends, your good friends on the Real Housewives, they all do that. Well, I, don't all know, of them. I don't know if I have any, I don't know <laughs> if I have any more friends here. But basically, <laughs> basically what has happened now is that they're, they're talking about there's a rise in suicide urge from this stuff. You know what? Whenever you dis, whenever you dysfunctionate the human body by injecting people losing 30, 40, 50 pounds and they're not even dieting, they're not even exercising and the, and the weight's coming off. Oh, this is a good thing, but you got a thing called the pancreas. And the pancreas can go into like a, uh, a regurgitation mode. And the next thing is what the after effects of this have not come out. But right now, there's this study saying that people want to commit suicide now. So let's be careful 
when you start to go the cheap way. What happened to diet and exercise? That's what we're doing. More important. Now, all right, important. Disney World is on a downer. Disney World is going down because people are not going. Too expensive. Hey, Sid, am I seeing you Thursday night? Damn right, Thursday night, baby. But we're going to see you first on Thursday morning, live in studio at 9.05, right? Yeah, don't tell anybody where you're going to be, Sid. I... <laughs> one, more, one more thing. 50 Cent. 50 Cent came out, and he said, L.A.'s bail reform now is for the cause of L.A. going to My man, 50 Cent. I love 50 Cent, too, and he actually did a really good television show years ago with our mutual friend, who does a great job as Gaetano in Gravesend, Chris Marmondo. Bo Needle on fire once again, as he is every Tuesday morning. Catch Bo twice a week on Sitting Friends in the Morning, over the phone at 7.40 every Tuesday, and live in studio, 9.05 every Thursday, the great Bo Needle. We're only halfway through, folks. Still a lot more to do. We'll talk to WFAN legend Joe Beningo, the mayor, Rudy Giuliani, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, and more. The 8 o'clock hour, hour 3 of Sitting Friends in the Morning, about to come your way. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get My God, this is Smash Mouth, right? Is it you're an all-star? Is that the name of the song? So let me take you back. The year was 1999, okay? And it's the last year I'm doing radio in South Florida. I just started doing radio in South Florida the year before, 98. I'm a newbie, and I forgot who we were syndicated by. I want to say Joel Hollander Westwood won, but my partner was a guy named Scott Kaplan. And you guys have come to know Scott on this show over the years. Scott and I eventually got our first real radio job the year later in 2000 in New York, doing mornings at 102.7 WNEW-FM. He was let go, and he was replaced, my recommendation, Craig Carton. You know the whole history. So it's 99, and Scott and I are covering every major event across the country. And we end up at Fenway Park for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And who's performing that song in Boston? Smash Mouth. I remember walking into Fenway. They're singing that song. I was like, wow. But it was a very special night because that year, 1999, Pedro Martinez 
one of the, went to the Mets, you know that. But he had an unbelievable year for the Red Sox, and he started the game. I think it was the first time that a host pitcher started the World Series in his own ballpark. But even bigger than Pedro, starting that night at Fenway, was the Red Sox brought back all of their great players. And guess who was there that night? Ted Williams. So I'm sitting in the stands. It gets even better. You know who I sat next to? Matt Damon. Me and Scott sat next to Matt Damon, Fenway Park in Boston. And I'm looking at Ted Williams, who a couple of years later, of course, would have his head frozen on a swivel somewhere. But that was, I was there. I think Fenway Park has now hosted three All-Star games. But that one in 99 is iconic. And we're actually, we actually at that game, me and Scott. How cool is that? Wow. Matt Damon, too. Matt Damon. He's like Boston royalty. Yes, Boston royalty. It was, uh, it was an amazing day. It really was. And, of course, tonight is the 93rd annual Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. Not from Boston, from Seattle. But I was this morning thinking about my favorite baseball All-Star Game moment. And, ironically, it took place 44 years ago in Seattle at the Seattle Kingdome. When, as Curtis called him this morning, the Italian Stallion, not Rocky Balboa, (laughs) but a young New York Mets center fielder out of Lincoln High School in Coney Island, handsome as the day was long. 1979, he hit 303 with 15 home runs and 79 RBIs on a Met team that won just 63 games. Managed, managed by eventual Hall of Famer Joe Torre. But there was a shining moment, and it wasn't Willie Montanez or Richie Hebner or Doug Flynn, Steve Henderson, any one of those guys. It was Maz. He was picked that year, the last place Mets, as an all-star. And he went out to that game in Seattle, and his team, the NL, Dave Parker, had a monster night that night. Two huge defensive plays, assists at third base and home. And uh, he was the MVP, if I remember correctly. But Maz should have won it because the NL is down 6-5. to five. They've won seven straight All-Star games. And the manager calls on Lima Zilli to pinch hit in the eighth inning in a one-run game. Jim Kern at the time, one of the best closers in Major League Baseball for the Texas Rangers, was on the mound. And down by one in the eighth, my hero as a kid, my hero, Lima Zilli, came to the plate, Lewis, and the at-bat sounded like this. So far, the Nationals have done little to solve Texas Rangers' bullpen ace, Jim Kern. But pinch hitter Lee Mazzilli, New York Mets switch hitter Deluxe, is anxious to try in his first all-star back. An opposite field line drive. It's fair by inches. The home run ties the score for the fourth time. So Lee Mazzilli, pinch hit home run, ties the game, and that wasn't it. Maz came up again. Bases loaded, ninth inning, tie game. Who's on the mound? The enemy. Yankee ace, one of the all-time greats, Louisiana Lightning, Ron Guidry on the mound for the Yanks. And with the bases loaded, Lee Mazzilli worked out a game-winning RBI walk. And the NL won their seventh consecutive game, seven to six. Maz pinch it home run off Kern to tie it. Maz RBI walk off Gidry to win it. Lee Mazzilli 
1979. That was my favorite All-Star Game memory. And I think, Lou, you said it was yours, too, but not because of Maz, but because of Dave Parker, right? Dave Parker, uh, Gary Carter. Gary Carter had some big games. I think he had two home runs in one All-Star Game one year. If I'm thinking of the right game, Nolan Ryan started. I think he did. Yeah. And he struck out the first six guys. Yeah, that's right. Just and as I remember Joe Garagiola doing the game, going out on strikes. <laughs> yeah. out on, I mean, six yeah. good hitters. I, and I think Pedro won that '99 game at Fenway. Struck out the first four batters. Either yeah. way, those um, those are great games. And as I said to you yesterday and two hours ago today, interleague play has ruined the All Star game because as a kid, you never saw Tom Seaver face Reggie Jackson. Unless it was the World Series. You never saw Dwight Gooden face Alan Trammell. Unless it was the World Series or Daryl Strawberry face Pedro. Now you see it every day. Yeah, it's definitely a, that's, it's that's the point. That it's interleague has, interleague has play stopped it. it. Yep, that's yeah, it. and it, it's, it's, not, it's no coincidence. That's when the demise of the All-Star game started. Yeah, right probably. there. Right there. You know, because so. the interest is waning. It's gone. And, and it's starting to become like the other three sports All-Star games. Oh, just not about there. getting there. Yeah, just like about in there. The interest, it's I still mean, the most I popular, I think, of them all. Yeah. Um, and it's also played, don't forget, in the middle of the season, yeah, not like football. Right. But um, but last night's kind of thing is batting practice. Stupid, You're watching stupid, bat- it's please. Silly. Like there's twenty, there's like twenty feet of crap below the MLB All Star Game, and then the Pro Bowl. Yeah, from cool. the NFL. Garbage. I I remember I would wait all year for the exhibition game, the Mayor's Trophy game, and the Mayor's Trophy game was the Mets against the Yankees. Now they play each other during the regular season nine or ten times. So uh, that is uh, the big news tonight: Major League Baseball All Star Game, and no one here cares, but we do have great childhood memories of that game for me and Lou specifically dating back many, many years ago. But the big local story is the mayor who has uh, lost all control. He's completely crazy. He had a chance to speak on Sunday at uh, Reverend A.R. Bernard's church. And the Reverend A.R. Bernard, of course, does a great radio show on this station, 7 o'clock every Sunday morning, right before John Katzmachidi's Catch Roundtable. It's called The Rev and the Rabbi with Rabbi Joe Potashnik. So he's got this Christian cultural center church. And Eric Adams, the mayor, who's friendly with Bernard, spoke there on Sunday. Now, you've heard Adams before talk about getting having this dream, and God reached out to him and said, you're going to be mayor in 30 years. And I think we were all hoping that that was one psychotic moment for Adams, and he wouldn't go back to that. <laughs> well, he did. Oh, yeah. In a church on Sunday, I'm black, picking cotton, the same nonsense that for me, for me, Sid Rosenberg has made me lose confidence Quite frankly, he's got zero credibility, the mayor, in my eyes, because of stuff like this. So let's get these quotes in. Eric Adams at that church on Sunday talking about picking cotton as if he's ever done it. This, Lewis, is cut number two. Let me tell you what hard is. Hard is picking cotton. Oh, shut up. From sun up to sundown, giving birth on the field right. and going back to pick cotton some more. Yeah, okay. Um, I guess he does that when he takes off his... $5,000 suit at 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, he goes out and he gives birth, actually, <laughs> yeah, on, on the field, which you can do nowadays, too, if you're uh, sure. a man in Eric Adams. And then uh, he needs to remind you for the hundredth time that he's a black man in America. Eric Adams, the mayor, cut number three. I am the symbol. 
level of black manhood in this city, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe, and people need to recognize that. He sounds more like uh, like some character Eddie Murphy would play in Coming to America or something like that. An actual mayor, he just sounds berserk. Here it is. Here is the call from God. He doubled down on it, did it Sunday again. The Christian Cultural Center, Mayor Eric Adams, just three days ago, telling us he got a message from God. Cut four. Over 30 years ago, hearing that message from God that I was going to be <laughs> mayor January 1st, 2022. And the most important part of that message was God saying, you are to tell everyone you know. Because I don't want people to think you got there because of who you are, but I want them to know you got there because of who I am. So you know he sounds crazy when he talks about this message from God, but I think he sounds even crazier, I really do, in this next cut where he talks about New York City. Eric Adams, cut number five. So let me say to you, CCC, they want to paint this picture of ineptness and incompetence. But let me show you the record. You're watching crime go down in the city. No one thought it was possible. Crime is going down in the city. Nobody thought it was possible. This city is hell. Do you know yesterday I made a trip to the Upper West Side and um, I was on the two train. And we stopped, excuse me, I was on the local, the one train, and we stopped at 66th Street, 73rd Street is the next stop, and we didn't move. And we didn't move for a while. And I came to find out that somebody actually threw themselves in front of the train on 73rd Street and died. In fact, there were two men in New York City who committed suicide yesterday by throwing themselves into moving trains. Now, they committed suicide. They weren't murdered. But we get a lot of examples of that every Saturday and Sunday morning. Put the news on. Find out what happened on the subway that weekend. It's not safer. It's a mess. This man should not be beating his chest, telling us how great he's doing. He's got a ton more work to do. A ton more work to do. In fact, in this next cut, he calls himself incompetent. Now, he made a mistake. He meant to say competent. But the truth is, what he said was actually more accurate. Here's the mayor, Eric Adams, cut number six. You are watching 81,000 people <laughs> coming to this city, and not like other cities, they're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level. You are watching an incompetent person yes. turning a competent Agreed. place in a city to live in. <laughs> this is what we need to recognize. Let me say what he said one more time there. You are watching an incompetent person turn a competent city into a place to live. I mean, what are you talking about? One more Eric Adams, cut number seven, and we'll move off this. This guy has lost his mind. Adams, cut number seven. You are watching 81,000 people coming to this city, and not like other cities, they're not sleeping on the streets with no help on the federal level. You are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in a city to live in. 
You know, my I man, I thank you. Shut up. My, my man, Joe Esposito, who, of course, former chief of police and, as Bo pointed out, getting his last cancer treatment today. And I love Joe. And Joe likes the mayor. That's fine. But Joe just sent me a text. He goes, I have no problem with Adams having dreams about God. I speak to God. I'm sure you do. I love that he refers to God. And, Joe, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, I spoke to God. You know when I spoke to God? At least I thought I did. When I was driving, or Danielle was driving. I wasn't even driving. Danielle was driving through the hills of North Carolina. And my father, the late great Harvey, was in a coma and dying in a hospital in Westchester. And we happened to drive by a billboard with a picture of Jesus Christ, which read, Jesus saves. And I remember looking at that billboard, being a Jewish boy from Brooklyn, and going, look, Today, you're not my God, but I don't care. Please, God, help me. I did ask for help. I didn't speak to God. I asked God for help. And my father did come out of the coma. If you're telling me, Joe, that you've asked God for help, whether it's getting over your beautiful wife, Chris, or your own cancer issues, I love that. But don't tell me you think it's cool that he got a message from God to be mayor. That's insulting. That's ridiculous. That's not cool, Joe Esposito. Maybe you like him great. Good for you. And, yes, we all call on God every now and then for help. But did you come out years ago and say that God called you to be the chief of police? Because if you did, you'd be labeled crazy, and deservedly so. Anyway, that's my editorial. I'm off my soapbox now. Joseph Abood agrees, agrees, I should say. The Fenway Park Baseball All-Star Game in 1999, the greatest of all time. He goes on to tell me Pedro struck out five of the first six batters that night. Okay. Did you want to add something to this? No. Are you excited that Yankee ace and starter Garrett Cole is starting tonight? Uh, it's very exciting. He's the one, pretty, really the one silver lining for the Wait, game. So you watch the game because it's a Yankee on the mound? I'll watch uh, the first inning. He's not going to throw more than... And that's it. Two innings. Any other Yankees? I don't even know who's in the game. Uh, Well, Judge was going to be a starter, but he's not even traveling out there. Right. And um, And Alonzo's in the game, right? Alonzo is Is he starting? Uh, No, he's not starting. No local players are starting other than Cole. All right. There you have it, folks. Okay, a lot more to come today. Joe Beningo, WFAN legend, coming up at 840. The mayor, the great mayor, esteemed Rudy Giuliani. He's coming up at 910. Really interested in this 910 guest live in studio, Lieutenant Randy Sutton. He started the Wounded Blue, and he'll be talking about Mark Zuckerberg specifically. You know, Zuckerberg is the first to defund the cops. But when you hear about the amount of money Zuckerberg spends a year on his own security, it'll make you raise an eyebrow. All that and more, the Tuesday edition of the best talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77. W-A-B-C.
Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Slashings on subways and back wings and classrooms. Urine on sidewalks, the bike lane is your doom. Boarded up stores and political spins. These are a few of Mayor Adams' things. Busted up crackheads and taxes on noodles. Hotheads and smokers with dank infused pre-rolls. Innocent migrants with big smiles and grins. These are a few of Mayor Adams' things. Taxes and garbage and bugging and stabbings. Snowflakes that stay on the streets while you're blabbing. Sniveling scumbags who find cars to ding. These are a few of Mayor Adams' things. When the rents hike, when the tax spikes, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember Mayor Adams' things, and then I don't feel so good. Good stuff right there. Chris Libertini, who does a lot of funny stuff with Eric Adams, me, Bill de Blasio, and others. He's been on fire lately, Chris Libertini. And how about the singing from Lisa Orban, one of our very valued salespeople here, friend of mine now for 23 years. When I first arrived at WNEW-FM, she was doing the singing during that bit. So great job by Chris Libertini. And Lisa Orban, Chris Pavona, and all the others that get involved. Thank you for that. Uh, coming up at 840, WFAN legend Joe Beningo. Coming up at 910, esteemed mayor. He's on 3 o'clock every day. Rudy Giuliani. I thought Rudy was mad at me yesterday because he did not make the 18 pictures in the post. He was in it three consecutive months, Rudy. Three consecutive months. But we got to make some changes. And I, I think people don't notice, but Rudy did. And he texted me on Katsimatidis, quote, I feel left out. So I thought Rudy may decline 
your invitation yesterday, Justin, but he loves me in this show too much that he's coming on, right? Yeah, and uh, I think he was just jesting. It's it's part of his character. No, I think he's, he wasn't. I think he was serious. Oh, Kim- really? Yeah, they all were. Kimberly Gilboyle, Dr. No, no, Mark no. Siegel, Monica Crowley last month. Yeah, but Rudy, you're cl- you know, Rudy's close to you. No, nah, he's fine. And uh, Randy Sutton, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, he started the Wounded Blue he will join us coming up at uh, 925. But we do put this time aside every weekday morning for a really popular segment. I must say that our news director, Noam Layden, does a great job with Noam Nuggets. There he is. Good morning, Noam. Good morning. You know, you were talking about the All-Star Game, and you brought back this memory that I had forgotten about. When you went to the games before the All-Star Game to your home team, which in my case was the Philadelphia Phillies. What? Yeah. How's that? Well, I grew up in Trenton, so we were oh, Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they would hand out those Gillette punch cards. Do you yes, remember this? I remember them very, very and well. Would, they, it, there was white with blue lettering. Yes. I love those cards. Those cards were so cool, yeah. and it would list all these names. And then while you were there, the PA announcer would say, by the way, don't forget these Philadelphia Phillies. And yeah. they would tell you. To, <laughs> yeah. And I would sit there, yeah, all right. Yeah. I'd punch and the you card. Watched, you had guys like Mike Schmidt. I mean, you had some really good players back yeah. like then. Yeah, Mike Schmidt. Steve Carlton. That's right. These were uh, pre, uh, they were annual All-Stars every uh, they, year. They were. Yeah. Yeah. In 83, I got to see them win the World Series. That was kind of fun. They were in the World Series Pete in 80 Rose as well. Year. Yeah. Yeah. 83, who else was that year? Pete Rose, I think. Yeah, that was mistaken. Pete Rose's yeah. team, yes. No. Yes. So anyway, you brought that nice memory. You know, you were talking about this earlier, uh, how um, you, you know, about Deidre Imus and yeah. her Instagram picture. Yeah. and. Over the last couple months of working with you, which, by the way, uh, has been enormously fun, Thank you. is I hear these imacisms that you do. You know, I hear this uh, lately a lot when I get angry about stuff. Right. People say that I tend to sound a lot like Imus. And, and as I've said many, many times, when he was still alive after he was basically let go, let's be honest, and they didn't want to pay him anymore. And they gave me and Bernie the morning show. Bernie hated his guts. God bless my friend Bernie. Hated his guts so much he could never find anything nice to say about him. Uh, I would occasionally say nice things. But I, since he's died, I find that I miss him. Really? And, yeah, well, I mean, I don't miss him personally. He was a prick. And I hated his guts every morning. I mean, miss him is the wrong word. But what I was saying is I respect his talent more since he's passed away. And again, to your point... I've been told time and time again by real Imus enthusiasts that the reason why they've fallen in love with me is I remind them at times of the I-Man. Yeah, so, and and there's things you say that sometimes I catch and then sometimes I don't catch till later. So this one was this morning when you were actually talking about Deidre Imus. How funny is this? And then you use this Imus-ism. So tell me if you agree, okay? This is you talking about Deidre. I never thought she was all that attractive to begin with, to be honest. That's just me. If you do, that's fine. That's just me. If you don't, that's fine. That's an imicism right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You're laughing now, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Right. You hated the I-Man. I did. Yeah. But he wasn't nice to me. No, he wasn't. But it wasn't, you know, some people would say, is it shtick? On the air, it was shtick, no, of no. course. You're Jewish. You didn't like the Jews, right? Yeah. Now. Oh, my God. If I could tell you. <laughs> I was the only Jew he really liked. <laughs> Ask Glenn Berman how that went. Yeah. Let's put it this way. When I was, uh, let's see if I can tell this story. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 
So when uh, when a um, what's his name left? Oh my God, the news anchor, not uh, Charles, but after Charles uh, was, uh, it was uh, the other Connell. kid, Connell, Connell, Connell McShane. McShane. When no. Connell McShane, who I loved, who Con- just left Fox Business, my a couple that. months ago. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be doing play by play or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and he's on the side. He performs with the Irish band, the Pogues. <laughs> Is that on right? The side. Oh sure, he goes all over the night. Didn't I even know. I can't. <laughs> I can't take credit for that joke. So another comedian came out with it. So and I'll remember his name someday. When um when Connell left, uh, you know they came, brought me in, said negotiate you to do you know his job. So which I had essentially been doing all along anyway. And uh, we got they got he did the negotiations and uh, over the phone he I, I don't want to give I, I don't remember the exact sentence, but it was about me and pushing me into the oven. He wished I had been. Oh pushed God, into the oven. no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Len Berman to this day still hates him for calling him Lenny the Jew. To this day, still hates him. For yeah, that. you know, and well, you know that for I, a fact. Well, I think with good reason. Of that, course. I mean, I think a lot of people here would have taken. I mean, how many times he called me a Jew bastard? I didn't care because yeah. to quote my dear friend Andrew Dice Clay, I needed the money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well he did it. He did it in this Nazi-like voice. No, he wasn't exactly right. 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 Of course, he it did it very just nasty. to see pushing. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So as great yeah. as everybody lauds these compliments, oh, people please. did not. Yeah. Please. I mean, that's, that was that was him. Rounds. What was the other uh, second? Well, well, that was the one I came up with right away this yeah. morning. I, I, over the next couple of days, no doubt, I will amass three or four <laughs> because I've heard them and I've had that moment of like, oh, I have to go find that. Yeah. yeah. So I got to go find it. But uh, in the meantime, that one like stood out. To me. Right. Because like, he did oh, say God. that quite a bit all yes, the time. He's yeah. like, I don't all care. the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wait, I'll play it for you again. So tell me, even Lou, does this sound familiar to you? Like uh, an imacism? I never thought she was all that attractive to begin with, to be honest. That's just me. If you do, that's fine. That's just me. Yeah, he did that a lot. And what I said this morning about Deirdre, which I meant when I saw her picture on Instagram yesterday, was she's actually morphing into the I-Man. Yeah. She looks like Don Imus. I mean, she was, you know, she was attractive, never gorgeous, but in good shape. And certainly much better than him because, as I said earlier today, yeah, uh, he was. He was actually a handsome guy when he was younger. He was. Well, he's he was better looking when he was younger. Yes, he became uh, physically repulsive when he became an old man. I mean, repulsive. And she started to look like Don Imus. You saw that picture on Instagram this morning. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's um, it doesn't look becoming. Does she look like him or not? More and more, yeah. Like, well, you know, they say owners start to look like their pets <laughs> at some point. <laughs> just, I, I don't know if there's something uh, to it. But, <laughs> we, we don't know. They they were oh, pretty reclusive funny. and they were together a lot. So, uh, I think a lot of things are possible. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, talking about the I-Man uh, after I-Miss. For a couple of years on WFAN, the midday show with Sid Rosenberg and Joe Beningo, the aforementioned WFAN legend Joe Beningo, who just last week filled in for Tiki Barber alongside Evan Roberts since Craig Carton left. He'll join me next. It'll be Sid and Joe once again. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Here I come, baby. Mayor himself on this station, 3 o'clock every weekday. My man, Moody Giuliani, he'll join us at 9.10. Randy Sutton, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, he actually started the Wounded Blue. He'll be on at 9.25 talking about Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. That's going to happen. Dana White, folks, check that out. So over the last couple of months, I've done some stuff with the FAN, folks. I was obviously on Craig Carton's very last show. He's now done there. It's Evan and Tiki. Although Tiki was out last week and my friend Joe Beningo filled in, I played a part in uh, Craig's softball game. That was a lot of fun. But the one thing I did that may have been more fun, was more fun than any of it, was I got a chance to be live with my former partner, Joe Beningo, at his podcast in Hackensack, New Jersey. And there had to be 100 people there, 100 real sports enthusiasts. They love Beningo. They were great to me. And it was an unbelievable night. Lou, you were there. We had a great Italian great, dinner. Great night. Great night. Joe. Joe was there and Terry, his daughter, Erin, her husband was a sweetheart. And it was a ton of fun. And with that said, here he is, the legendary WFAN host, still filling in there for Carton just last week. And hopefully, Mondays with us come football season, my dear friend, Joseph Beningo. Good morning, Joe. Sydney Arthur, a couple of things. First of all, great job by Lou. Lou, it's always a pleasure. Terry says hello as well. Uh, you're starting me off with the temptations. You can't do better than that. Little Eddie Kendrick's going. Uh, the other thing, too, Sid, i got to ask you this question, bro, okay? Yeah. Did you plant the cocaine in the White House? Uh, if it was 20 years ago, maybe. <laughs> in fact, if it was 20 years ago, it could have been either one of us. Or but not for that matter. <laughs> you know what? That is, that is a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that story getting all this play is just so ridiculous. But that's see, the White House at this point has become ridiculous. So every time you're on, i got to ask you this question. Yes. Are you still as enthusiastic as you were when I saw you last month about the possibility of Donald Trump being number 47. Oh, uh, no question about it. And, and, and let's be honest, he's running away with the primary. Uh, DeSantis, I mean, he's only right. DeSantis shouldn't have run this time. You know what DeSantis should have done? He should have just not ran. He should have backed on. And then he would have been the guy, you know, in, uh, in 28. But I, I, I'm going to say this, though, Sid. Look, let's be honest. The media wants the people in this country to believe that Trump can't win. I mean, it's unbelievable. And even you, even you buy that. The amount of people in this country that listen to the nonsense that, the, and I'm even talking Fox, which has turned into, you know, they might as well be CNN now, Fox. I haven't watched Fox since Tucker Carlson got canned, okay? All right? Even them. They don't want to see Trump win either, and they are trying to influence the people in this country that he can't win. And, and I think it's complete nonsense. Well, listen, I, I think he can win. I've never said I don't think he can win. What I've said to you time and time again is, gun to my head this morning, if it's Biden versus Trump, I think Biden wins. But he's going to win the primary easily. I think he yep. can win. But right now, I put my money on Biden, not because Biden's a better well, choice, but because we're sure a dumb Biden's country. Are going to run. Sid, I'm not even sure Biden's going to get to the finish line here. I'm really not. I mean, I don't even know if the Democrats want him running anymore. I don't think they do. I really don't think they do. But we'll see. That's uh, that's a whole I mean, other really. story. I mean, he's been a he's we been know a. We know, look, let's be honest with this too. If 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 they had a viable vice president right now. Uh, that person would have already been the president, in my mind. Yes. Uh, so you don't consider Kamala Harris viable? 
No, she's she's she's. I don't know who's more incompetent, her or Pete Buttigieg. I don't know. Yeah, there's not a strong bench there. I know that uh, every time I have these conversations, they keep winning from Michelle Obama to say I'm going to run, right. but I don't think that's going to happen. If she doesn't, then really Biden is all you got. You know, Gavin well, Newsom. Let me say this. I got to say this. I love Don. Don's my guy, no doubt about it. But I got to tell you, I like Bobby Kennedy a lot. Now I don't know if he's got any shot. I don't know if he's going to, you know, Biden's going to get on a debate stage with Bobby. I doubt he will because he'll get his you-know-what handed to him. But, um, you know, and the media, obviously the Democrats don't want him because he's not, you know, he's not this left-wing, woke, you know, progressive, all of that crap. You know what I mean? So, but I think you really, you know, I think Bobby Kennedy really has something. Oh, I like him too. And uh, listen, I've even heard Republicans say it may not be a bad idea for Donald Trump to ask him to be his running mate. Forget about Carrie Lake or Nancy Mace. What about RFK Jr., who is a, a Democrat, but, you know, not really. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll see how good. all that goes. Uh, we are still early in that. And, uh, of course, Iowa's still about six months away. Right. right. And the field uh, looks like it's about set for both. And it should be very, very exciting. The bigger question is, yes. as we get ready for this uh, ridiculous, stupid All-Star game tonight. Oh, God, who cares? I don't care. care I, I know. No, I, actually, I made the point all morning. I, I played the highlight twice, and you'll appreciate this, Joseph, of Lee Mazzilli hitting a home run off Jim right. Kern in the 1979 All-Star in game. Seattle. Yeah, I love that game. And Mazzilli, of course, walked off Ron Gidry. Right, won the game. When they started interleague play, and it was no longer a novelty to see a Met pitcher face Alan Trammell or a Yankee pitcher face, I don't know, uh, who was even good back then, Cleon right. Jones. Uh, once they started interleague play, they ruined the All-Star game. Yeah, no question about it. And to me, the greatest, here's my greatest moment in the All-Star game. There's no doubt about it. 1971 in Detroit, Reggie Jackson hitting the light tower at the yep. top of the stadium in Tiger Stadium. Yep. I mean, to me, that is the quintessential, at least in my lifetime, yep. that is the quintessential all You know, it's funny, moment. Curtis Sliwa, that's his favorite moment, too, when he mentioned it on the air literally two hours ago, oh, Reggie's right? mammoth home run. Go. Yeah. So you have that in common with Curtis Sliwa. But the bigger question is, look, the Mets are like 18 back. They've uh, been miserable. Uh, is there? And, and here's a bigger problem. There's seven back in the wild card. But right. what folks don't mention is there are seven teams. Yeah. They have to leapfrog. That's the bigger problem, not the game's back. How many teams are ahead of them? Is there any reason to believe the Mets can contend in the second half? I, I don't see it. I mean, look, they might contend. They might get close to this, the, the final wild card. I just don't see it, Sid. I mean, you know, they've played terrible baseball all year. I mean, they really have. They, Scherzer, let, let's, be, let's start with him. $42 million for him. He stinks. Every time it's a big game, he gives it up. You know, we saw what he did last year in the playoffs against uh, uh, San Diego, that big series against Atlanta at the end of the year. He blew a 4-1 lead to the Braves this year, a 5-1 lead to the Yankees this year. Here we have one of the biggest games of the year. Really, they really – the game on Sunday against San Diego was a huge game. They'd won six in a row. All right, they lost that game Saturday. But if they can win that series and, you, you know, you win seven of eight going into the All-Star break, uh, you know, maybe you got a little momentum and he, uh, you know, watch the bed in the first <laughs> inning. Yeah. You know? I'm with you. I don't see any reason to believe they can no. uh, get it done. But, you know, listen, how it works on WFAN. It's one of the reasons why I don't really miss sports talk radio is because, you know, last year Buck Showalter is one of the greatest managers mm -hmm. of all time. This year he forgot how to manage. Forgetting about the injuries or the fact that shirts are kicking people out. Uh, do you think Buck Showalter next year, year three, is on the hot seat? Uh, he's definitely on a hot seat next year. I think he makes it through the year. I definitely do. 
I think he'll start the season as the manager, but the, the, the pressure is going to be on. And who knows? I mean, look, they may have Otani on the team next year. That could happen. You know, you know Uncle Stevie Cohen is going to throw a ton of money. I don't know if Otani's going to come to the East Coast. You hear he doesn't want to, you know, he, like, he likes, loves the West Coast and all of that. But, um, you know, nobody's going to outbid Steve Cohen next year for Otani. I wouldn't trade for him. No, 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 no. Forget that. Only go get him as a free agent next year. But I think, you know, Cohen's going to go after him. There's no doubt. That'll be a huge addition. My God, this is WFAN legend Joe Beningo, who's on with me quite a bit. My main man used to work together at the middays on the fan for a couple of years back in the early 2000s. Uh, podcast you did with me was one of the great. So I mean, the people are still buzzing about that. <laughs> that was a great night. Sid, Sid was at his best. Sid, you were at your best that night. Like, this was like vintage Sydney Arthur. Yeah, it was you great. I mean? Yeah, it was fun. No, we had a chance to do some politics, some lifestyles, some sports. Yep. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I want to get to the Yankees. Garrett Cole yes. makes the start tonight. Yanks. Yep. If the season ended today, they're not a playoff team, but they're just one back of the Blue Jays and I believe Houston for that last wild card spot. It'll be back of the Baltimore Orioles. What do you see for the Yanks in the second half? Well, I mean, look, I think they got to get Judge back. I mean, they're obviously not the same team without Aaron Judge. Their lineup stinks. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they've got nothing from Stanton. Uh, Anthony Rizzo has not been the same guy. I mean, he hasn't a home run since sometime in May. It's unbelievable since he got hurt. That play at first base. LeMayu looks like he's shot. You know, they're playing people like Billy McKinney, you know, Josh, Jake, whatever his name is, Bowers, Frankie Cordero. I mean, what, are you kidding me? This, you know, <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah kind of Falefa. These are the guys that are in the lineup right now. Their pitching has been pretty good. Cole's been great. Uh, the bullpen's been really good. But they don't score runs. And I, I tell you, if they do not get judged back, I think they're gonna, it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. I'll say that. So gun to the head right now. Do you go chalk? We're looking at it like a Tampa Bay-Atlanta World Series. What do you think? Well, I mean, here's the problem, Sid. I mean, who knows? I mean, we saw it last year. What does the regular season mean anymore? I mean, the Philadelphia Phillies finished, you know, uh, 10 games behind the Mets last year, and they're in the, they're in the World Series. You know, the San Diego Padres finished 20 games behind the Dodgers, and they beat them in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, uh, with, with the state of baseball now, all you got to do is make the playoffs, and let's be honest, you got a shot. Uh, that's the bottom line. So I don't know if you can go chalky. You know, it's not like the old days where you, you know, you got the best record at the end of the year and you're in the World Series. You know, so it's it's a lot different now. So uh, look, Atlanta's the best team. There's no doubt about it. But um, I wouldn't go chalk. I, I, something will happen. We'll, I, we'll be surprised in the World Series. So have you already moved on from the Mets being their 17 back again, uh, Joe Beningo? I move on. I watch every. You game. watch every I game, but 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 I mean, but I mean, but I mean, in your heart of wanting to win, you know, the Jets. Yes. You, you you were on this show now three or four times right. since they got Aaron Rodgers. You're a disaster guy, tragedy guy. It's always going to be bad. It has been since Namath. You're on record on this show more than once saying you really believe the Jets who open up against the Buffalo. Bills 9-11 could be very special this year. Do you still feel that way? Well, it's only two. It's exactly two months until opening night. Uh, the closer we get, the more concerned I am. I'll say that. Why is that? Uh, because I'm a Jet fan. Because I because <laughs> I've, I've been conditioned to expect the worst. You know what I mean? And expect the worst. That but you but, but, but nothing has happened. But nothing has happened injury wise. Or no, no, no. no, no I understand no. that. They got to win. Look, they got a two-year window to win the Super Bowl. And if they don't win the Super Bowl with this guy, when are they winning? They're never going to win. And, and, and if somehow, somehow this turns into a disaster, it would be the greatest disaster in the history of a franchise <laughs> that's had nothing but disaster. Well, listen, I, I would say what, uh, what Durant, I know it sounds nuts, but Durant, Irving, and Harden didn't do in Brooklyn for your friend Evan Roberts. That was a pretty big disaster, no? Well, that 
was a monstrous disaster, but it's a little different. I mean, you know, these guys, you know, you know how to, it, it, I don't want to get into the, into the NBA players. By the way, you mentioned James Harden. He's probably the most overrated player in this generation <laughs> of NBA stars. <laughs> I wouldn't give that guy a uh, You think he's I mean, more, you, I, I wouldn't give him a dime to play. You think he's more team. overrated than, uh, than Randall for the Knicks? Uh, well, I think Randall is what he is. I think James Harden is looked at as this, you know, mega superstar, and he's yeah. anything but. Uh, one more you back know? to football. I know the By 17th. Way, just, can, I, can I point this out to sure. get Believe this or not, okay? I am playing golf tomorrow yeah. with Robert Sala, okay? The coach of the Jerry Jets? I am playing golf with Coach Sala tomorrow. Wow. And I'll even, should I even disclose where we're playing? Yes. Trump. Bedminster. No kidding. Well, you both yes. love Trump. We know Seller loves Trump. Does he? Of course. What do you mean, of course? I mean, I wouldn't think that. I have you no mean... idea. He came from San Francisco. Probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. know it's my doppelganger. People think we're brothers, me and the coach of the Jets. You look like him a little bit. A little bit. But I want to go to the Giants for a second. The 17th yeah. is coming up next week, and that's kind of the drop-dead day for the Giants to do a deal with Saquon Barkley. They tagged him now, but right. he wants out unless he gets big money. What do you think happens with Barkley and the Giants? I think that it, uh, it's so devalued now, the uh, the running back position. I think he's going to play on the one-year uh, franchise tag. I do. That's what I think. And that's it. So there's no future for and Saquon. I, and I think he plays. And I think he plays. Well, they may do something with him during, I don't know, during the year. What are your expectations? Like the Giants are in any hurry to pay him. Right. So what are your expectations? Now that Daniel Jones got the big money for the Giants, what's your expectations for them? Uh, my expectations for the Giants is I think they'll be a better team, but maybe the record is not as good. You know, they're playing, you know, they're not going to be surprising anybody this year. You know, they were a playoff team last year. People are going to look at them a lot differently going when they play them. I think it's gotten a little, you know, the schedule's certainly more difficult than last year. And I still don't think they're better than, than Philadelphia or Dallas. You know, they got to get the Eagles. Ooh, Dallas. You know, destroyed them last year. Well, why, why are you high on Dallas? Well, they beat them twice. They didn't, they didn't beat Dallas last year. They lost uh-huh. twice to them. They, yeah. they, let me say this. That opening night game, the Sunday night opener against the Cowboys at MetLife, is it's a big game for the Giants. Giants Huge. need to win that game. I agree. It's a game you need to win. It. I agree. If you're going to feel good about the Giants this year, you got to go out and beat the Cowboys at home. Uh, on that's Monday a great night, point. On the, Sunday night. The Sunday night. That's a great point. The Giants Sunday night home against Dallas. The very next night, the same stadium. Monday night opener, the Jets right. taking on the Bills. Hey, Beningo. By the way, the Jets have to beat the Bills opening. You yeah. cannot have all. You know, I can't have Aaron Rodgers. You know, uh, doing the uh, hollow. With uh, Taylor Swift at the concert, you know, waving waving the pennants at the Ranger and Nick playoff games and all it is, and then you know trying to legalize acid or whatever he was doing in Colorado. Okay, I don't know what he was doing out there. Okay, I can't have him doing all that and all the insanity. And here's Rogers, and we're opening night against the Bills. I mean, we crap out. You know, no, you're right. Now he's got to win that game and be very impressive in the victory. Hey, Joe B, there's nobody better. You know that. You're the greatest ever. I no, love you. Great appearance. You Thank you. Rufino, the great Lou Rufino. God bless him, too. One of the greats. <laughs> All right. Give our regards to Terry. There you he will. is, WFAN legend. In fact, he just filled in last week for Tiki alongside Evan Roberts. My guy, Joe Beningo, another great appearance. we got a big 9 o'clock hour coming your way. Lieutenant Randy Sutton. This will be a very interesting conversation. He did start once again the Wounded Blue, but coming up next, esteemed mayor. Three o'clock every weekday on this station, my man Rudy Giuliani. Nine o'clock hour, straight ahead.
informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Nineteen seventy-nine. I've referenced nineteen seventy-nine for the better part of three hours since the first segment this morning. With tonight being the ninety-third annual Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Seattle, ironically my favorite All-Star Game ever. When I was a kid, I was just twelve years old. Took place in Seattle, Lee Mazzilli and the National League beating Ron Guidry and the American League, nineteen seventy-nine. And of course, that is the name of this song. By my man, Billy Corrigan of Smashing Pumpkins. You're a genius, Lou Ruffino. Yeah, well, we know. Ask Joe Benigno. <laughs> he did say you were a genius a couple of times. He did not say Scott Shannon was a genius. But he does think Scott Muni was a genius. I'm just saying. Did he say that? Oh, he he loved those guys. Okay. He loved it. Well, he grew up listening. Right. So he why. smoked a lot of weed. He grew up. It's But if you break it down, yeah. what do they really do? What do they do? They're sitting there introducing and outroing songs. I mean, they did it fine. Yeah. But to just claim they did this great. Well, that's why. I'll tell you a story. I'm, go, I'm going to Rayo's this Thursday with Bo Deedle. But uh, I don't know about it. Two years ago. Uh, I went to Rayo's. I've gotten with the Rayo's many times with Bo. And in fact, that was the night that I got Bo to, to uh, invite Wendy Williams because Wendy called me and she was still a big star. And Wendy came for dinner. And right after that, she completely went nuts, you know. And uh, my friend Mike Martucci was there for dinner that night, too. Mike is a guy that leads the Big Blue Travel. That's giant bands that want to go to road games across the country. They want to see the Giants play the Cowboys in Dallas or the Eagles in Philly. He takes care of all that. But he also does a great Frank Sinatra, and he performs all over the country. In fact, at that big event we went to at the Ohika Castle a couple of weeks ago, he was the entertainment that night. So at one point that night, he called me a DJ. I swear to God, this is true. Danielle was sitting right there, my beautiful wife. And I said, if you call me a DJ again, I'm going to bash your head through that wall. That's how I reacted. Because no disrespect to Elvis Duran or Scott Shannon or Scott Muni or any one of these guys. Writing a couple of stupid bits for Elephant, for, uh, not Elephant Boy, but was, uh, the guy that Elvis uses, or something boy, and then playing, you know, yeah. in 30 minutes of Taylor Swift and Bruno Mars isn't doing what I do. 
talking here, but now I got your help. Obviously, you're great. Justin's great. Gnome's great. The guests are great. But I'm talking for four hours. I'll, I'll give you better examples of it. I, I remember back at FAN, and now we were going to say, oh, this is kissing Sid's ass. <laughs> I saw times when Chernoff had to go grab you, throw you in the studio because somebody wasn't ready or we, we didn't have anybody ready to go on the air or a press conference was short. or True. And you just went right on, turned the microphone on, <laughs> and started talking about what was going on in sports. True. Well, what we ju- So what we just heard, even if you were on the phone, you knew what was going on in the air. Like, Thanks. so what we hear at the Giants press conference right now, you know George Young yeah. has got to have <laughs> these three draft picks. Or, and, you, and you would get drained and tired and come out, and you're just like, I, I can't keep going. I just can't. I'm you remember every- all that. Yes, I do remember That's things. unbelievable. Because, yeah. because, Joe, because I would do the, the whole Imus show, it wasn't like, listen, Mike Breen was the greatest sports guy ever, but Mike Breen did sports. I was the only I'm a sports guy, not Francesa, not Russo, not Breen, none of these guys that became a regular part of the cast. I was in that studio for four hours. It didn't matter whether we were talking to sports or if we was talking to the late, great Tim Russert. I became part of the conversation. I wanted to get paid by the amount of times I heard, get sit in here. Right. Thank you. And That's then I did the I and paid. then I did the midday show. Then I did the Giants. And then, like you said, if something was needed, go get sick. I re- remember. Thank it you for saying so that. So clear, of Thank course. You. Thank you. And I will say, like, th- you could grab ten Scott Muties, and or and they could not. Do well, why that. do you stop at Scott Muti? Can Scott I, Shannon just, do oh, that? Okay, I, I don't know because <laughs> what is this love you've got for I Scott don't know, Shannon? Because it seemed like they had more going on, and I couldn't well. even listen because we were on the other side of the building and on at the same time. So. I like that station, too. Don't get me right. wrong. You like Mickey Dolans? Do I like... No, was he a nice guy? Mickey I don't know. Dolans? Yeah, because he was a, a host at WCBS, too. Well, I've heard some back and forth. Yeah, some good him. things and good some bad, bad things. things. But yeah. he was nice to me when right. I met him. You know, he was on with IMS, I don't know, yeah. like 10 years ago or whenever well, it was. All those years was you were nice, with the I-Man, uh, 30 years, and now you, all the nice things you said about me that was very nice and, and humbling, but you're, you're truly a legend of what you do. Any other radio host that you got to know that you liked at other stations outside of FAN? That I knew, you mean? Yeah, well, you I liked? Met, well, I met Howard once, quickly, and he I liked him. Right. He was a nice guy. Was that like one of the Christmas parties? Because yeah, there was a time these go to the same Christmas we party. Went up, yes, we were at the penthouse of some uh, hotel in Midtown. I don't know where Hilarious. it was. But yeah, he, yeah. He was, and he would stay off by himself. Gary, I got to know well. He was such a nice person. Gary Delavant. I think Bernard was in Gary's wedding, wedding party. party yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have to think. Although I, you know, I met Scott Muni at a party that I DJed really a long time ago. Yes, yeah, some NEW employee. You were a DJ. Hi- yeah, hired me through FAN somehow, and I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." And my roommate and I did it, and we were okay. It was a pain in the ass doing it, but we did it. And he came up and introduced himself, Dennis Elsis. Mm-hmm. Introduced, and he's at my college station right now, Dennis Elsis. Is that Fordham? Fordham. What is he doing there? He's on the air doing music. Oh my shows. God! No, he's not. Yeah, he is. He I mean, it's a good station for a college station. Yes, for a college station, it's powerful yeah. and it's good. But he was at WNEW. I, I mean. know it's, but he's, he's also he's on Sirius now. Oh, too. he is. He's okay. doing uh, yeah. on a couple of the rock stations. Isn't like Carol Miller and Dan Near and those people still doing They're stuff doing too? Serious things. Serious. Do you right want? Now. You want? Do you remember the MTV VJs? Yes. Right? Of course. You want to you want to hear somebody who sounds like they're made of cigarettes now? Is uh, oh, what's her name? Nina Black. Nina Black. Oh, I've heard her. Danielle's played wow. her in the car. I know. 
it comes on and it sounds like oh uh, my the god. world is ending. I know. I feel bad, but I want, oh my god, that is yeah. how she used to sound like <laughs> the <laughs> deepest voice. Horrible. But, but bad. I mean, what Horrible. Happened? Yeah. Right now, we, well, that was a lot of the early Madonna days. But, you know, if you remember in Lucky yeah. Star, she would have done this. Well, let's move on to another classic. <laughs> Talk about Madonna. She's supposed to perform next month, but she's like, uh, she almost died or something, right? I mean, yeah, she I okay know. now? I, I don't know. I no, what are you hearing on Madonna? Is she, uh, she going to be okay? What's the latest on Madonna? She actually w- went to Twitter or w- you know one of the social media outlets yesterday and said that she's doing better. She's but, doing better? But the concert, Madison Square Garden, postponed. It is postponed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In August already? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so whatever it is, she's not totally back. She is not totally back. Wow. How about that? I thought she was totally back. Nope. So, but you're sure it's 100% postponed? I mean, Please just confirm that for Why, me. Why, do you have tickets for I that? Think it, no, I, I don't, but I'm getting somebody tickets. And then I will stop uh, that process if, in fact, it really is canceled. And I saw Madonna, God, it's got to be 30-plus years ago, at the Marriott, uh, at the Nassau Coliseum, uh, where the Islanders used to play. It was the Like a Virgin tour. And it was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Wow. I mean, she was just great. Yes, she was. Oh, just great. I'm a big Madonna fan, yeah. It's big Madonna fan. Still I mean, she's a filthy animal. I wouldn't want her to be my mother or wife, but <laughs> but she's a really good performer. You know what I'm saying? I feel like anybody who's had sex with Dennis Rodman, I'm not sure I want to be in the same room as that person. Any of the family members, actually. Any of the dealers yeah. he, he passed money to, I think <laughs> yeah. I'd be around. There was a time when I was actually one of the spokespeople, and Lou remembers this, very early, the days of um, what was that uh, drug you took to lose weight, which Trim, killed Trim Spa. Trim Spa, right? Oh, I remember that. So yeah. eventually, Anna Nicole Smith, who died at a hotel in Florida, she became this. She replaced me. I swear to God. So early on, it was me, Bubba Paris used to play for the Forty ers Carmen Electra, uh, the girl from uh, Charles in Charge at uh, Sued Scott Bale, a, a Eber, Nicole Eggert, Nicole Eggert, very okay. good, well. and Pat O'Brien. <laughs> and we went to a Super Bowl well. in San Diego, and we had a trim spot party before the actual Super Bowl Friday night party, and they put all of us in a limo and took us to some party in um, in San Diego. Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra. <laughs> and I kept looking at her going, oh, my God, you've had sex with the worst people God ever created. <laughs> David Navarro loved her, you know. <laughs> they looked great together. Uh, you know what? To this day, people say to me, of all the guests you've ever interviewed, and I've done, at this point, five presidents, every major celebrity, every major sports star, all of them, Jordan, Tiger, you name it. They go, who's the biggest a-hole? And without any hesitation, David Navarro. He was on with me and Bernard a couple of years ago, and it got, I mean, it got really ugly. I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. Because it turns out that David Navarro's mother was murdered. It's a horrible story, very tragic. But he was great in that he actually went out and started a group, I guess, for people who've had their parents murdered. You know, it's a big deal. So I brought it up, and he went nuts. I'm like, hey, Dave, no one told me not to bring it up. I'm sick and tired of talking about Carmen and your stupid music career. This is actually something very good you're doing. And he came at me. I'm like, hey, Dave, 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 I'm from Brooklyn, okay? 
<laughs> I'll smash that guitar over your head, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you're attached so to think you're guitar you think player. you're talking to? What are you, nuts? <laughs> well, you couldn't have really said it in a bad way, right? <laughs> no, I'm no. saying you're a hero. God bless your yeah. mother. God rest her soul. And you went nuts. It was like Larry Zonka, the Hall of Fame running back for the Dolphins. Yeah, Sid's going to remember all oh, the bad ones. Oh, Larry now. Zonka. What did he do? He had this unbelievable <laughs> career. He was one of the best running backs ever, Super Bowl MVP, all this stuff. But people forget the, he had one very embarrassing moment in his career. A huge embarrassing yes, moment. Yes, Joe Pisarczyk oh. was trying to hand him the football when they fumbled against the Eagles. The very famous Joe Pisarczyk fumble. Who could, if you're a Giant fan, that's never right. forgotten. So I, I'm talking to Zonka down in Miami when I was down there for like 20 minutes. For 19 minutes, I gave him better oral than any hooker could ever give him. For 19 minutes. <laughs> he the almost la- said that to you, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the last minute I go, but Larry, I got it. You better not bring this up. I'll jump through the phone and I'll Break your nose. I go, what? Yo, what? You old bastard. You're, 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 you're fishing on ice right now in Minnesota. You're not running against the Redskins anymore. What are, again, what are you, nuts? <laughs> Herman Edwards still sends him greeting cards. Of course, to this day. <laughs> and that, the ball could not have bounced cleaner in right his to hand. Him. Right to him. That was the ball. And the Giants had just come back from trailing in that right. game, Right. It was like an improbable comeback to about to win. The Sarger tries to hand it off to Lowry. Seconds, seconds left of the game, and people are getting up from their seats. The game's yeah. over. Yeah. And they try is. to hand off. Boy. Ay, ay, ay. That All cost right. people their jobs, too. <laughs> people got fired. People got fired. Yes, they did. Woo. Randy Sutton started the Wounded Blue. We'll talk to Randy Sutton about why police are leaving and the phony that Mark Zuckerberg is. He's coming up next. Good stuff, guys. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I can see Daniel Chavanti now. Hill Street Blues. So I guess Woody was mad, Woody Giuliani, because he shined us again. I'm titling the podcast episode today, The Mayor's Revenge. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> you know, again, for those who don't know, we, we do once a month. John Katzmatidis, a proud owner of this station, puts out an ad in the New York Post, sitting Friends in the Morning ad, and he allows me to put 18 pictures of some of the friends that are on this show. And there's a few that'll never, ever leave. They're on there every month. Donald Trump, John Katzmatidis, Bill O'Reilly, my mother. But the other 13 or 14, we interchange. Rudy was on there for three straight months. I ousted him this month for a Carrie Lake. 
And he uh, sent a text. He goes, I feel left out. And I said, are you mad? And you said he wasn't mad. He's coming on tomorrow, but he shined us. Maybe he is mad. He even, he even repeated the time back to me. But it's not the first time he's done this. No. Oftentimes, Rudy books it for like today, and he calls like Friday and goes, I'm here. Or he'll call oh. like two weeks later. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you're only two weeks late, Rudy, but don't worry about it, baby. Hop on. Do your thing. Uh, our next guest in studio is a guy. You know Jen Kearns? Uh, obviously, uh, All-American Jen. She brought in Larry Elder. She brought in Lee uh, Westwood. Uh, not Lee. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Lee Greenwood. Lee Greenwood, right. The last couple of weeks. Well, she uh, reached out to me about a gentleman yesterday, uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton. And uh, he's the man who started the Wounded Blue. And he's about to expose Mark Zuckerberg for the phony and fraud that he is. I hope Elon Musk kicks his ass. So proud to have him here in studio after giving me a really beautiful coin. Thank you for this. Lieutenant Sutton, how are you, handsome? I am fantastic, and I can't tell you how happy I am to be here on your show. Oh, thank you for my, I appreciate that. And you're, you're a guy that does a lot of media. You do a lot of Fox News and right. a lot of radio. You're a handsome guy, great shape. You got the nice suit, the black T-shirt. You look like you live in Vegas. Oh, you actually do, don't you? <laughs> I actually do. In, uh, in fact, I was a cop there for 24 years. And before that, a cop in New Jersey. I was a cop in Princeton, New Jersey for 10 years before that. Who was your uh, police chief back then? Who was the uh, uh, Mike Carnavalli was, the, was okay. the chief of police. It was a 30-officer 30, 30 police department, and I got bored and, uh, you know, college town. So I, I needed some action and joined Las Vegas Metro PD, where I found exactly what I was looking for. Oh, there's a lot of action there, I would imagine, but uh, a drugs, prostitution, I guess, if you're close to the Strip. If you're out in the suburbs, for example, I've got a lot of friends who left Florida, New York, New Jersey, moved out to Henderson, I think it's called, and they're all doing very well and live very nice suburban lives. In fact, some of them never even go to the Strip. But well, the Strip, you, I you, guess, is where it goes down, right? Well, when you live there, very few people actually go right, to the Strip. Yeah, right. It's, it's just... Kind of like us going to Times Square here. You right. just don't do it. Sure. Yeah, so why is that? Well, you know, it, it loses the attraction. It's, you know, the traffic it, it, The traffic sucks. Yeah. The, the crowds and, you know, it just it, it, it loses the allure after you've been there a while. But is that where the crime basically is? No, 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 no. no. In fact, just the opposite. Okay. Uh, the, the, there is, it's a dangerous place to be. Um, but let me, let me put it this way. I was, I, in, in 10 years as a policeman in New Jersey, I never, I never used my weapon. I was still on probation. In Vegas, when I was in my first shooting, where okay. a four, where a fourteen year old tried to ambush me, and where was this? In in Vegas, in oh, a, in, a, in a in a housing area, not uh, in the Strip. So in a housing oh, no, area, no, nowhere no. near the Strip. Nowhere near the Strip. You know, the Strip is is actually pretty safe because the casino security is everywhere, right? And so, uh, you know, really the the, poc- the the crime occurs out in the how far in the. What do you mean? How many miles from the where the tourists hang out the strip? How many miles would you say? There's a bad neighborhood. Oh, there, you, well, there 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 are bad neighborhoods all over Vegas. There's and you know there's there's a couple within very close proximity of the strip. Um, and where people get in trouble is where they you know they they decide they they come to Vegas and they want to buy dope. And so where do they go? They you know the the word is you know you go down to this area where uh, you know where, where you can get the meth and you can get the fentanyl wherever whatever you want. And wow. they get robbed. They get you know, murdered, and and so you know, the, it, but it, there's there's pockets everywhere in Vegas, and that's really where the where the crime occurs in uh, in, in various. Is that one of the more dangerous? I would never expect anywhere in Vegas, but are you telling me it's one of the more dangerous places in, in the oh, country? Oh, it's a dangerous place to be. I mean, as, 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 especially as a police officer, um, 
the, the department is the ninth largest police department in the country. It's a combined sheriff's department and police department. They combined in 1972 to form the Metropolitan Police. It's also one of the best police departments in the country. It's very highly trained. Um, there's, uh, uh, there's, it, you, there's not the kinder, gentler police that is being forced on law enforcement officers across this country. You right. Know, you know, that's one of the things that, that, that we see. Um, there's really truly a crisis uh, involving law enforcement. We're seeing, and, and New York is a prime example, that, uh, you know, the exodus of police officers who just don't want to deal with the politics here. And and uh, and also, you know, the, the, something very, very dangerous has occurred here, and that is that um, both NYPD and LAPD have basically dropped their physical fitness requirements. Oh, I know. I see cops every day, uh, Lieutenant Sutton, I swear to God, that are in horrible shape. Yeah. I mean, horrible. There's no way they're going to catch me running down the block. I'm an old man. And and here's where here's where this really has an effect. <clears throat> the the mortality rate of police officers when they retire, uh, the average officer only lives to age 57 because of the stress of the job and because of the of the injuries that they get. You know, I I am the founder of an organization called the Wounded Blue, and we're the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled officers. And I deal with 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 the, some of those heartbreaking stories that you can possibly imagine when police officers get hurt. So, for example, a guy that became legendary here, I'm a big New York Ranger fan, became legendary here, he passed away last year, Stephen McDonald. Yes. He would be a guy that would fall into your category. Absolutely. In yeah. fact, I have a whole team of officers. Um, I have 45 police officers from around the country. Everybody has been shot or stabbed or beaten or run over. Mm. And yet, even though some of them are in wheelchairs or on crutches or, or you know, despite their medical situations, they continue to serve by by providing peer support for other injured and disabled officers. We help get folks into treatment. We are huge in the suicide prevention yeah. arena. Yeah. Um, and we're uh, we're really literally touching lives. We've helped more than 14,000 police officers in the last five years. Even COVID well, was an issue for oh, you guys, right? Oh, my I God. I mean, huge, right? I lost I lost friends uh, due to COVID, and they, and and here's the here's the sad part. Um, depending on what department you were in, some of those departments just wouldn't even recognize that as a line of duty death, even though there was there was you know ample evidence that they were, um, you know they they contracted it while on duty, right? And so you know that was a it's still a very very big bone of contention within the law enforcement community. So. But you would be absolutely shocked, so I'm, I'm telling you, at how our cops are treated once they're injured or disabled. Now, not so much here in New York, because New York has a strong police unions and, and strong workers' compensation laws. But I just had a situation with a, with a police officer who lost his leg. He was on the job for 10 months in a, in a community in Texas. Um, a tractor-trailer fell over on him and crushed him. He had devastating injuries, traumatic brain injury, his arm was almost ripped off. He lost his leg. And you know what the department did? Nothing. Fired him. Fired him. Why is that? He had only 10 months on the job. He was a probationary employee. Aye, aye, aye. See, you say I'd be surprised, and not to sound cynical, but when I see the way our country, for the most part, treats our veterans, yeah. our most precious people, especially Vietnam guys, why would I be surprised? Yeah, it, it's... The, the way that people have demonized the cops, cities, states politicians, celebrities, these scumbags. I'm not I would have been more surprised if you would have said to me, "Hey, they do a good job for these guys." No, in fact, this is a perfect lead into Zuckerberg. 
So here's a guy who spent $43 million on his own security, $43 million. And then his, his family um, charitable organization has provided millions of dollars to anti-law enforcement groups that, that want to defund the police. Right. In fact, you know, the, the left has, has there, here's their, and, and then here's what this shows. You can be as rich as Midas as, as he is and still be bankrupt, morally bankrupt, which is what he is. Well, let me ask you this, though, and be honest with me. You're a good man. You really are. I just met you. I love you. Would you rather be morally bankrupt or financially bankrupt? Me morally. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but you're right. These are these are horrible people. Their priorities are all effed up. And a guy like Zuckerberg could be helping folks like you. I, it, it, it drives me insane. So, you know, especially right after George Floyd, the, the fiction that and the, and the irrational response to that. Oh, you mean the guy that was arrested nine times and put a gun in a pregnant woman's yeah, stomach who has yeah. statues in Brooklyn, like he got the cure for cancer? Exactly. That, that scumbag. That's the one. That's the yeah, one. Okay. Yeah. And and yet, um, some of the biggest corporations in America spent millions of dollars to deify him and and send money to the biggest fraud organization uh, that that almost exists today, including you know uh, Patrice. Colors of the, uh, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, yep. who, uh, you know, took all that money and bought herself a bunch of mansions. And, and, and money was flowing to them. And to raise money for a law enforcement charity that, that, has, that has helped 14,000 cops, I have to beg all the time. Oh. I have to go out and beg all mm-hmm. the time to get help. Um, and so, so Zuckerberg is not going to write you no, a check. Yeah, I, don't, I, right. I don't think I'm going to be on his Christmas card no, list. But either. Elon Musk may, may write you a check. He's a guy that... Uh, Never really thought about as a political friend uh, for years, but he seems to be coming along just a little. He does. He does. In fact, um, I would love to get hold of Elon Musk. Hey, Elon, if you're if you're listening, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's training for fight against Zuckerberg right now. So you, uh, the major difference for you as a cop between New Jersey and uh, Nevada, the state of Nevada, right. uh, outside of the everyday dangers of the job, is what? What's the big difference for you? Well, you know, being a small town police officer has its own set of um, of challenges. You know, Princeton was my hometown, so I knew everybody there, yeah. especially when I was a cop. And then, you know, and you have to write people tickets all the time, and you know, you you, you get you get um, uh, judged by your work product. Would, which, would you, if it was a really, I'm be honest, if it was a really good friend, would you not write him a ticket? Like, oh, I, let's say you stopped me and I you gave, recognized me. I gave you? breaks to, um, in fact, Everybody, this right. is one of the most beautiful things. When I went out to <laughs> Vegas, I didn't have to write tickets. In fact, I don't think in 24 years in Vegas, I don't think I wrote 10 tickets. Really? No. Because oh, that's because the cameras catch them every time, those bastards. Oh, we don't have cameras. You don't have cameras? We have no, we don't have cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I love Vegas. <laughs> no, no, but he, see, here's the thing. You can take a traffic stop and turn it into either A, a great felony arrest, or B, you can turn it into, hey, I'm giving you a break. Let's, you know, you can you can actually turn that into a PR opportunity sure. by showing kindness, compassion. You know, you don't. Ha- no, cops have a lot of discretion. They don't have to write people tickets, right. except if they're being forced to by, you know, they say there's no quota. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe right? there is. Yeah. <laughs> so, give me the for you the most dangerous. He talked about being in Vegas and the 14 year old kid who actually opened fire on you. Was that? The most dangerous. Give me the most no. dangerous moment in your police life. The most dangerous moment in my police life was a life-changing experience for me, and it was uh, what we now call an active shooter. Um, 
I was uh, I was on patrol. I was a, a field training officer, and uh, a call came out that there was a guy dressed all in black, uh, wearing uh, shoulder holster, bandoliers of ammunition around him, a sword, throwing stars, and he was shooting at kids at a high school dance. And it was kids at a high school dance. Yeah, and it was literally two blocks from where I was. And uh, when I got there, um, another unit was was rolling up. And there's this guy walking down the middle of the street dressed exactly like the report. And there were two people on a double date. They were following him, and they were on the phone with 911. Okay, they're shooting at the kids again. They're diving for cover. And then he realized he was being followed by this car. And he turned around, and he fired a shot and went right through the windshield between the heads of the two couples, at which point that driver said, mm, I think I've done my civic I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Right. And that's when, when uh, another unit pulled up, and this guy – I'm expecting in the next couple of seconds that I'm going to see them. They're going to shoot him. He's going to surrender. He's going to run. He's going to shoot himself. But none of that happens. Instead, he nonchalantly walks right towards the officers, puts the gun back in his shoulder holster, and walks right by them. And he starts walking up into an apartment complex where there's a whole bunch of people. So I can't let him get to those people. But here's the thing. Now, this is the moment, literally, that I trained for my entire police career. This is the moment when you have you have the option of deadly force. But what few people realize, uh, because they don't get into this situation, is it's not just a professional decision. It's a very personal decision. If you're going to take the life of a human being, um, it's not just your professional. It's not just your professional life that's affected. And I didn't want to shoot him in the back, and because his gun was was holstered, so I ran up behind him. And I tried to take him physically. And uh, when he turned, he, he heard me at the last moment. He turned, and I did a flying sidekick like I was freaking Bruce Lee, <laughs> yeah. which I really wasn't. Yeah. And uh, I hit him in, this, in, the, in the stomach. He went down, and he came up with the gun. And he and I were closer than you and I are. Wow. I'm our, very our, close. Our gun muzzles were almost touching, and we both fired at exactly the same time. And thank God. You, and I, uh, I, fired, I fired two rounds, and then my gun jammed. Oh, my God. And his gun did not jam. Uh, I should mention this to you. I forgot to wear my vest that day. Wow. And so I am li- literally toe-to-toe with a gun that doesn't work, and he's shooting at me. And um, I, uh, our, our air unit is above us, and the, uh, the the two cops who were there before, they see me go down. I go roll down onto my back to try and clear my weapon while he's trying to shoot me. And as he's tr- trying to shoot me, little pieces of asphalt are hitting me in the head. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is really, is I can it? tell you this is my thought. Is this what it's like to die? Mm-hmm. What's it going to feel like mm-hmm. when that bullet mm-hmm. enters me? Mm-hmm. And I I had no cover, so I'm rolling around. He's trying to shoot me. And um, and one of my partners rolled in because the air unit, you know, saw the, the muzzle flash and saw me go down and radio shots fired officer down. My old partner came in, tried to run him over with his car. But... What happens in a in a in a tense situation? You get tunnel vision, so he didn't see these big cement stanchions that were Oh my in the way. god! So he hits that at about thirty uh, miles an hour. Uh, His patrol car basically—I mean, sounds like a, a atom bomb went off, but it took the suspect's attention away from me. And I got up, got my gun working, and he and I were again toe to toe. And I'm literally thinking, I'm the world's worst freaking shot. There's <laughs> nothing I'm doing, yeah, right? Yeah. And we were banging it out. I empty my magazine in this gunfight reload, and he's still shooting it out with me. And he turned and he ran, um, 
I ran after him, and uh, he was hiding behind a bush. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this because it's really germane to what we, you know, the what's going on today. I come around the corner, and and I hear him scream, "Die, mf or die!" Yeah. yeah. And that's where um, my my partner and I we just opened up on him, and, and that, that was it. And that was the wow. end of it. But, so I want you to tell you. I want to tell you now what happened. Ten years later. I'm in a bar, I know that'll shock you, in Vegas yeah, <laughs> yeah. with my old partner who was there that night. And we had never talked about this shooting our entire yeah. career, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, I'm, and, we're, and, we're, and suddenly it came up. And, um, and I said, how about that crazy son of a bitch? Screaming, die, mf and he, and he didn't say anything. He was just looking at me. And I go, what are you looking at? The New Jersey came at me. What are you looking at? Yeah. And he said, you really don't know, do you? I said, no, what? He said, he never said anything. That was you. Wow. Now think about this. Think if I had a body cam on. Wow. And while I'm shooting him, I'm yelling, die, yeah, right? Yeah, I, like I would be in prison right now. Of course. And that's, that's why, and, and the reason I tell you this story wow. is because police combat is just like every other combat. It's real. It's visceral. It's life and death. Sure. And what happens when you are in a life and death situation, things come out. You say so. You are right. literally a, in in a war when this happens. And so I was fortunate. I was not touched by one bullet. Thank God. Thank God for that. Thirty seconds to go. Did you get involved? That is an unbelievable story and told very well. And thank God you're alive. Uh, did you get involved in the Stephen Paddock shooting, which killed 57 people? The Vegas Golden Knights just won I, the Stanley Cup. They had the 57 sign up yes. there. I was there um, because I was there as a journalist okay. um, reporting on that from, from the, that night on. Uh, for, for I was on that scene for well over a week. And I'll tell you, the worst story from that is uh, one of the officers who we have helped with the Wounded Blue, um, he was there and was guarding the scene the whole night. And eventually he had to quit because all, every time he heard a cell phone, for the entire night yeah. he kept on hearing and seeing cell phones light up. From dead kids. From dead, yeah. yeah. Dead a lot kids. of dead kids, 57 people. I think yeah. Luke Bryan was on stage. Some uh, very famous country actor was um, on stage. Uh, what hotel was that? Mandalay uh, Bay. Mandalay Bay, right. Hey, listen, how can folks quickly help out the Wounded Blue? What a tremendous conversation. I, I appreciate that. Please go to thewoundedblue.org. See who we are. See what we do. We have a tremendous documentary film on Amazon.com called The Wounded Blue. And I, what I would ask is do, hit that donate button, give 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can afford. These men and women are suffering, and the Wounded Blue is there for them. Our motto is really, truly important to us, that never forgotten, never alone. That's uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton right there. Once again, help him out, folks, at the Wounded Blue. That's a great, great appearance. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll do it again very, very soon. I enjoyed having you here, like immensely. I enjoyed this immensely. We'll come back and wrap things up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, 
77 WABC. Carpenters, classic Carpenters. Well, that was a great interview. That guy was tremendous, Lieutenant Randy Sutton. Our friend Pat on Instagram, she was live in studio one day with her husband, bought in all those great T-shirts I wear all the time. She said, wow, what a great segment. That guy should write a book. Uh-oh. Ironic she would say that, isn't that, Justin? Very ironic. He's got a book coming out in a couple months. There you go. So I'll have him back on to help promote it. All right. All right. All right. Rudy text you? <laughs> We're going to try again tomorrow. We're going to try again tomorrow. <laughs> I wouldn't text him. I'd want to see what he yeah, does tomorrow. Exactly. He'll, right. He might, right. He might just call right. He might just He's going to contact. Because I think we do have 905 open tomorrow. My daughter, Ava, is back tomorrow at 930. Mm-hmm. She has something she must tell me about on the air. I don't know what it is. Oh, yeah, you wow. do have uh, scares oh. the hell out of me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, mean, I would be scared. She's yeah. going to tell you on she's the like, too. She's like, Dad, I'm going to Florida on uh, Thursday. Maybe Wednesday. Oh, what's tomorrow? Tomorrow's, Tomorrow's Wednesday. Wednesday. I'm going to Florida tomorrow night. And uh, I want to come to the studio first before I go. And uh, drop off the apartment key, but I need to tell you something on the air. She said on the air. Yeah. All right. Sounds huh. great. All right. So she's coming on, Ava, at 9.30. I know we have Peter King. Who else is on tomorrow? Right now you got Peter King. Oh, you will not even believe who's calling me right now. <laughs> Stop. I swear to God. Is it Rudy? Does he realize the show's over in two and a half minutes? <laughs> we could do 30 seconds. Hey, Rudy, what do you think about him? He's going crazy, Sid. I don't know. I've tried to, I tried to coach him. I don't know. Wow. I don't yeah. get oh, it. Oopsie. Why am I not in the paper with you? Did I just screen a call from the former mayor of New York City? But he's not calling. He's calling your cell phone. Yeah, he called my cell phone, yeah. You didn't pick it up? Wait, well, you just wait, you just didn't pick up a phone call from America's mayor? Uh you just big timed Rudy Giuliani? I didn't big time anybody. You better deal them for Sid. Actually. You did, you just big time Rudy. I'm gonna Giuliani? call him right back. The show's like going on. I'm on the air. <laughs> the show is I'm gonna over call him right minutes. back. <laughs> I mean Oh boy. Put him on uh, nine ten tomorrow before Ava, in between uh, Peter King and Ava Rosen. He's calling the station now. Oh, there he is. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. Hello, Rudy. 
Hey, yes, Rudy, I'm sorry. The show's over. <laughs> I know. I, I thought it was tomorrow. Well, I swear to God, I said tomorrow. to Justin, I go, I guarantee you Rudy thinks it's tomorrow. So I thought it was tomorrow because I got up late yesterday and I thought it was tomorrow. Well, can you, can you do tomorrow. tomorrow? Can you do tomorrow? Yeah, I'll do tomorrow for what, sure. What, what happens if you wake up tomorrow and you think it's tomorrow again? That becomes Thursday. I'm going to have five alarms on and a, sign, and, and a sign and a sign that says if you don't call, if you, if you don't, if you don't call Sid, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Perfect. All right. So we'll talk tomorrow. We love you. We love you. Thank you. All right. Take care. I'm going to give Ted boxing gloves. We love you. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank you. There he is, Rudy. The best. I don't think Justin's going to recover. No. By the way, I don't, that, that's got to be the first time that Rudy ever cursed on radio, too, right? Only we get him. Everybody curses on this show. You notice that? I think everybody feels like they're in yeah. their bed and comfortable. In the last week, Bo Deedle, Marianne from Brooklyn, and Rudy Giuliani all cursed on this show. Great. Yeah. I guess I'll talk to Uncle Sid now and see what I can do. Well, it's been a while since I've laughed that hard. Well, that was good stuff. All right, well, the show's over now. We got to go. We got to go. See you, Rudy. Fun's over, folks. Here comes Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> and then Greg Kelly. Oh, Greg Kelly, that's a laugh a minute right there. Oh, yeah, two hours of yucks. Oh, baby. Come on, that's entertainment with a capital E. You kidding me? We're done. God willing. <laughs> James, we'll all be back tomorrow morning at 6 with this amazing crew we've got here. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, and Noam Layden. It's a hot one, folks. Be careful out there. Till Wednesday at 6 from all of us to all of you. Sad.